0: listening to the Oz Movies podcast only on the Oz Network.
1: Welcome to the Oz Network for week number eight of Star Wars year uh, as we're on to the final film of the original trilogy and at the time it came out in 1983 many people thought the final film of all time and now we know there's at least three more to go but As of now, maybe let's just call it the last good movie of the Star Wars saga, (laughs) Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, uh, one that's already been spoiled as one of our favorite movies of all time, and uh, we're going to be covering the original edition, the special edition, uh, and maybe some predictions of the next edition to come, and whatever changes they plan to make from this point on. Let's get into it. My name is Colin, and
0: fucking hell you always steal my bloody lines uh and my name <laughs> and my
1: name is ben is that who you could tell <laughs> and my backup was going to be my name's Colin. And could you tell ben is that who you could tell
0: <laughs> um yub nub there you go um <laughs>
1: Oh, We are finally here, Ben's favorite Star Wars film of all time, something that made, what was it, number five on your all-time favorite movies list a couple of oh, months ago?
0: Might have even been, yeah, it was five or four or six, or it was in the top ten, yes.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> and even though I didn't have it in mind, I think I made it clear that uh, I picked one per franchise, and this would have probably made my top six of all time. this <laughs> <It> was just... <laughs> say that much at least. Uh, Return of the Jedi, 1983, aka Revenge of the Jedi, uh, depending on if this episode were being done in 1982 or not. The end of the original trilogy. uh, Well, I don't know, we've covered so many movies up until now, and uh, yet still we haven't talked about some of the most Controversial special edition choices yet some of the most controversial original trilogy choices yet Ewoks everything galore. Uh, I, what about our history with this movie? I guess because I I kind of went through a New Hope and Empire that I had uh, seen those movies basically almost back to back or at least a week apart that they had aired. You know, some Christmas night a New Hope aired on TV and my parents said, "Hey, let's watch this Star Wars movie." And then a week later, Empire Strikes Back. Hey, let's watch this Star Wars movie. I didn't get to see Jedi right away because they didn't have another holiday after New Year's. So uh, I had to wait until uh, I think it was probably about three months later. uh, I I distinctly remember it being the springtime because like the snow was melting and I think my dad was out in the yard and he had rented Return of the Jedi for us so i had to wait a couple of months to find out you know what happened to han solo and everything and uh, my only real clear memory of this was you know just waiting and waiting and waiting you know oh when we're gonna get to see return of the jedi when to get to see return of the jedi and finally seeing it and loving it so much that i wanted to rewind it and watch it again but i was maybe seven years old at the time not even i think i was like six going on seven or something like that and I didn't know how to rewind a VHS, (laughs) so the movie ended, my dad's out working in the yard, and I'm seeing it go to like the FBI warning screen that comes after the movie, and I'm just waiting and waiting, thinking, okay, what button do I press here? And then it reaches the end of the VHS tape and rewinds itself. And I run outside, and I tell my dad, I'm like, I wanted to watch Star Wars again, but uh, it went to some type of warning, and then I don't know what happened, and all of a sudden it stopped, and now it's making noises. And he runs inside thinking that somehow I had recorded over this rented thing, and he'd have to purchase it for like $30 from the video store, and he was a cheapskate, so there's no way he would have paid that. And he comes and says, oh, no, 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 it just started rewinding on its own. Once it's done, press this button, and you're good to go. And I immediately watched it all over again. Uh, so many fond memories of I, I think once you complete this trilogy it was probably my first experience of being able to see a trilogy as a whole and so once this movie was done I mean I would just watch A New Hope, Empire and Jedi and then you start to connect all these dots and I had already gotten some of the toys at this point uh, I remember uh, my brother got a uh, a y-wing which was the uh i guess the second not the x-wing the other y-wing from return of the jedi and uh i i had already mentioned you know when we talked about like princess leia love in uh a new hope not in love with princess leia because we were children but uh just how princess leia like you didn't associate is that that's the girl character and i remember once i'd seen jedi getting the princess leia action figure in the army fatigues you know when they're on endor and uh there was the jabba's palace was cool and we had a neighbor that had um uh i guess gotten too old for toys and at a yard sale decided to sell all the star wars toys for like 15 dollars which is crazy because you know he had no idea how much they might have been worth and uh my brother and i put together our allowance and bought for 15 dollars and the jabba's palace was like the coolest toy ever because it was jabba the hut and you had the little platform And you could stand your Luke Skywalker figure on the platform and then pull a little trap door and he'd fall down into this pit. It was just so cool. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff about this movie. There is some bad stuff. I think before we ever started the Oz Network, I had sort of said, you know, I'm not knocking Return of the Jedi. I'm not saying that it's a bad movie, but I think I can make a pretty strong argument that. Uh, similar to what we were saying with the last two movies, that there are a lot of things in this movie that had they done this in a prequel, you know, everybody would have hated this movie instead But because there's nostalgia. But really nothing can top the final act of this. I mean, I don't know how many people I've talked to have said Return of the Jedi is their favorite movie, and they always just say you know, from that final act, it's just a perfect movie. Uh, what about you, Ben? I mean, this is your favorite movie. Did you uh, get to see it right away after the originals? Did you have to wait a long time like me? Did you accidentally erase a VHS tape trying to watch it?
0: I realise you could do that when you could put the sticky tape over that little part on the front of the VHS. So, like, you know, there was always a way of doing it. Um, I'm pretty sure I just watched these all together. I I don't really have vivid memories of watching them individually. I think it was just a case of, you know, as I said in the beginning uh, on A New Hope that Dad got them for Christmas, and I think we just watched them, you know, pretty closely after we got them for Christmas. So, uh, But this is one that always kind of stuck out to me is one that I like the best, and I think it just... It's it's interesting you say about how this seems to get a lot of free passes and everything because it's an original movie. I think this, from what I read and what I see, this one always gets a lot of hate. Like, people laugh at me for liking Return of the Jedi the best. Like, really? Return of the mm. Jedi? That's your favorite? Like, why? <laughs> um, it's only made for toys. It's only because of <laughs> Um But I, I like now seeing kind of these videos and posts and that defending Return of the Jedi. Maybe it's a part three. Of a, of a Star Wars trilogy, that there's something there. That's why I'm hopeful for Rise of Skywalker, because I love Revenge of the Sith the best. I love Return of the Jedi the best. So Revenge uh, Revenge of the Skywalker is going to be fantastic. Uh, they've changed the name of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I just... There's always been something about this one that I just love. Like, I, I love... Like, you talk about the ending, just kind of... It really just... After all the Jabba stuff, it just goes to a point where it's just so epic, and I love the Jabba stuff too. Like I feel like I'm being mean to that part. People say, "Oh, that's a waste of time. What's the point of the Jabba stuff?" But I just I love that stuff. I love everything about this movie. I and I was, you know, obviously a young kid when I watched this, and it's not even a case of, "Oh, you just like it because you like the Ewoks." Like I like the Ewoks, but I've never been mad on the Ewoks. I'm not like Ewok. I'm more mm. pork. I'm Team Pork over Ewoks. Let's be honest, and I don't like uh, Last Jedi. So hashtag Team Pork. Um, yeah, it's just it's just always something about this. The tone of this movie, kind of just that whole the battle between Luke and Vader with the Emperor. That the music that I love. The, we talked about it in Phantom Menace how I kind of love. How you've got like these three, four battles going on all at once at the end. I love that about Return of the Jedi, how you kind of keep intersecting between Endor, the Death Star battle, and Luke and Vader. It's fantastic. And also, this is one of those ones where everyone shits on the changes in the special edition the most in Return of the Jedi, there's one in particular which everyone hates, and I absolutely love. Which and no, it's not Jedi Rocks. I mean, I don't mind Jedi Rocks, but like, <laughs> it's, I'm not. Gonna, you know, I can see the hate of that, and we'll get to that. But there, there's just one particular change which everyone just always complains. But why did you do that? It's so stupid. And I, I absolutely love it. To me, it just it makes all the first six movies just completely bookended and perfect. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I just love, love this movie. Uh, it's going to be so tricky at the end of this, though, whether or not I still have this at number one, because I've already put Revenge of the Sith um, above Empire last episode, so will I keep that up? Who knows? But um, chances are that the number one movie after six movies will still feature Hayden Christensen, so we'll find <laughs> out which
1: one it will be. <laughs> it, the Return of the Jedi doesn't really get uh, a lot of attention for the... Uh, I guess, production leading up to it, even though there's a ton of interesting stuff that happened before the movie ever came out. I mean, we went all the way back in A New Hope, discussed, obviously, what's very common knowledge now that George Lucas had written one screenplay, and it was too big, or one large story treatment, and then decided it was too big, so he's going to break it up. Uh, but... Having said that, it wasn't like it was just a thirty-three percent split all around. It was more like you know sixty percent of it ended up in A New Hope. You know, uh, I don't know, twenty-five percent of it ended up in Empire Strikes Back. And I think George Lucas said that he really only had about fifteen percent of his original story treatment left when it came to Return of the Jedi, which is one of the reasons why we have a lot of stuff that is just one-off. It, it doesn't matter to the overall story. You know, the entire Han Solo thing. Uh, which we'll cover in a second why that came about, and then the Ewok stuff. Uh, that Really what it came down to was just this final showdown between Luke, Vader, the Emperor, and, uh, you know, the Death Star. The reason the Death Star comes back this time is because the original story would have climaxed with this battle for the Death Star and a battle on a primitive planet, which at one point was going to be, the original thing was it was going to be the Wookiees, but he wanted to use Wookiees when he thought he was only going to do A New Hope, so he made them more technologically advanced and as a co-pilot so by the time he gets to jedi he's like i got to create something like the wookies but make them more primitive hence why ewoks came out also merchandising reasons were a reason for the ewoks um and uh i guess the other part being the han solo thing that the entire first act of this movie is just the rescue of han solo which there's sort of conflicting reports uh it's it's Pretty common knowledge that Harrison Ford wasn't contracted for a trilogy. There was really no such thing as contracting actors for an entire trilogy nowadays. I remember at the time, before the first Avengers movie came out, uh, I think it was uh, the first real public uh, contract sign they had was when they signed Chris Evans to play Captain America. And at the time, they said they signed him to a nine-picture deal. And I remember thinking, like, are they going to make nine Captain America movies? But then they said, oh, there's going to be Avengers movies in there, too. And I'm like, well, that's still only six. And then you realize that Marvel is signing people for just their discretion, of saying, we're going to throw you as a cameo in this movie, the end scene of Spider-Man, and that will count towards your contract. But at the time, Star Wars or even Empire's Made, they don't have like we're signing for multiple deals. Really, that was reserved only for something like James Bond. So uh, I don't know if it's a confirmed thing, but uh, the idea that they didn't know Harrison Ford would be coming back for a third movie was the reason that they kind of wrote Han out at the end of Empire. They said, we're going to freeze him in carbonite. We'll leave it up in the air. We have the choice to bring him back later, or we could kill him off. And that was sort of the big conflict as far as developing the script, is would we have Han Solo or not? Would we have Harrison Ford? You know, By the time Empire comes out, they probably could have signed Harrison Ford if they wanted to. A year later, Raiders of Lost Ark hits, and Harrison Ford is... You know biggest movie star in the world now he has two massive franchises something I no other actor had ever done so there was a lot of back and forth harrison ford himself didn't want to come back just creatively he thought that han solo's character should have been sacrificed the same way that george lucas made that decision during production of a new hope to kill off obi-wan because obi-wan was supposed to survive and yoda had to be written in as a replacement from those original stories uh but eventually they do convince him to come back Having said that, they had to develop scripts originally or stories uh, and start doing production designs and uh, all the uh, you know pre-production work, designing a movie not knowing what the final script would be because they didn't know if they'd have Harrison Ford or not. I think that that definitely shows in the final movie <laughs> that Harrison Ford's role, it's pretty diminished. Uh, not diminished, he's there, but if you were to take that opening act and just do some other adventure there – from the point they rescue Han Solo, there's no point to him being there, but you got to wonder like, what would this movie had ended up being if Harrison Ford had said no. And they had, you know, written this as, okay, we're going to, maybe they still have, we're going to try to rescue Han. But when they get there, they realize he died or they pull like (coughs) a recast. And, you have, like, somebody who looks like Harrison Ford just for a quick death scene, you know. But I don't think it really impacts the overall story after that. But I don't know how much of that background you know or c- can you envision this movie without Han Solo even considering he doesn't have that big of a role in it.
0: Look, I love Han Solo. I love Harrison Ford. But I have to be honest, he kind of phones it in in this movie. Like, I, I really noticed that. I think, this yeah. time around <laughs> as well that it's... And it's interesting because I yeah I had read a lot of that that they kind of had left that open ended because it is very common knowledge that Harrison Ford wasn't exactly a plan of being in these movies hence why spoiler alert uh, he maybe or maybe not gets killed quite quickly well not quickly but you know what I mean he gets mm-hmm. killed off pretty pretty early in the new yeah. t- secret trilogy but um, yeah like definitely in this rewatch so I, I kind of focused a lot on that because. He doesn't really play a huge role in this movie. I think kind of everything about him in this movie, you can easily write that into a different character. You, you can even remove him completely. What mm-hmm. what what do you, what does yeah. he need to be there on Endor? He doesn't bring anything that Leia couldn't do. Or, you know, I mean, even Lando's role. Like- or Lando. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could have just had Wedge in the in the Millennium Falcon or something like that. So, um, Can you imagine like a
1: final scene, wedge and Leah, where all of a sudden he says to Leah, I love you. And she goes to wedge. I know <laughs>
0: Yes, the love story. We never knew we wanted, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's just, it, it is. And the, the funny thing that Mallory noticed a lot in this movie, she's like, as soon as she sees Mark Hamill in this movie, Oh, he looks old. And then Harrison, Oh, he looks old. I'm like, you do know only three years. There's like passed between this and the Empire Strikes Back. Really? Yeah. Oh, Oh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, I think as sad as I am to say this, I think I can easily imagine this without Hans Solo and I'm glad he's in it because obviously I like that continuity. I mean, that's going to be a large part of my defense for a certain part of this movie towards the end, why people complain about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we'd be in a completely different fandom of Star Wars, wouldn't we? If Hans Solo gets killed mm-hmm. off at the end. I mean, this might've been one of those biggest, oh, fuck you, Star Wars. Why did you do this things ever? Or maybe mm-hmm. he just wouldn't be as a beloved character as he as he was if he only appeared in two of them.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, although I don't think anybody has beloved Han Solo moments from Return of the Jedi. You know, maybe one. <laughs> could you tell Luke? Is
0: that who you could tell?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing, I guess, uh, interesting part about the the pre production of this movie, uh, well, a couple things. One, you know, the the choice of director. Uh, you would think something as big as Star Wars. They could have everybody they want because George Lucas wasn't going to come back. You know, we mentioned on the New Hope episode, it, it nearly killed him. I mean, he was hospitalized for days in the middle of production. Uh, and then after that, he's starting this massive company. And keep in mind, he is financing his movies himself. So these are the largest independent films ever made. That was one of the reasons why he wasn't on set for Empire, we mentioned last week. Uh, by the time of Return of the Jedi, though, you know, the companies were established and he took more of an active role in the writing Uh, The first draft of the screenplay was George Lucas's, and then Lawrence Kasdan came on to polish that off. And we get like a, you know, co-screenwriting credit here between George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan. But as far as the director goes, uh, originally, George Lucas apparently approached Steven Spielberg, who was, of course, one of his best friends. And Steven Spielberg was almost too intimidated to do the movie. He's like, you know, this is something that I don't understand the way you understand it. You know, he had done Indiana Jones. He'd done E.T. Jaws. Uh, if you're taking the, the highest grossing films of all time, you're basically splitting them between George Lucas and Steven Spielberg at this point. And yet Spielberg, uh, even when it came to Force Awakens, said the same thing. He's like, you know, I, I don't feel that that's my French. It's not. No, it's not my thing. Steven Spielberg is one of the biggest Star Wars fans out there. But he didn't feel himself capable of taking this on. The same thing happened. They they went to David Lynch, who you know, would have been a very interesting choice of <laughs> director. If you've ever yeah. seen a David Lynch movie, yeah. Twin Peaks. Uh, and then Canadian director David Cronenberg, who, you know, his movies, like David Lynch's, are definitely a lot, you know, more R-rated, a lot grittier, a uh, lot more complex, but uh, I don't know the reason why David Cronenberg turned it down, or if it could just, often you get these stories years later, they say they turned it down, and ultimately they probably had a list of many directors, and, you know, it came down to, well, who's willing to do this movie for this much money, who can actually deliver the movie on time? He ends up deciding on Richard Marquand, who uh, had really only done character dramas at this point. And as a result of that, George Lucas himself almost unofficially becomes the co-director of this movie. Uh, He did uh, most... uh, Richard Marquand... This is Richard Marquand himself who has said George Lucas essentially directed all the special effects stuff on set. A lot of the battle for Endor on the planet was done by George Lucas because Marquand had no experience in special effects. And you couldn't find anybody in Hollywood who had worked more in special effects than george lucas a lot of the second unit stuff and even uh the stuff in Jabba's palace you know just regular character stuff george lucas would be you know doing the the um the second unit stuff so Marquand and George Lucas have both sort of said, like, he almost could have done a co-directing credit on this one, but in the end, they brought on Marquand because he was more experienced in working with actors, and uh, like Empire, George Lucas really wanted more of the character stuff in this movie. Um, you know, The other interesting thing to note was, of course, the title, because we keep saying James Bond, but that's the only thing to compare it to for as far as a franchise that just had this much mania behind it. Uh, other than James Bond, I don't think there had ever been a movie that had you know this much interest from the press, the public, and all Star Wars movies prior to this were filmed overseas. Uh, You know, here they're filming the, you know, studio stuff overseas, but location, George Lucas actually films it in California or Arizona or one of those things. Uh, One of those states, I'm Canadian, I don't know anything about America. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, from that general vicinity. (laughs) And uh, I think that had a lot more to do with, uh, you know, possibly the fact that George Lucas had just adopted a daughter and wanted to, you know, be able to be on set more, but not have to fly overseas to do it. Uh, and because of all of the, you know, publicity behind this, this becomes the first Hollywood movie to actually use a code for its title, which we joked in. Now has just become a regular thing. Um, I can't remember what they used for Force Awakens, uh, but every single Star Wars movie has had one of these titles, even when the media is gonna know. Okay, this is a Star Wars. we like that was the Jar Jar's Big Adventure for Episode Two, <laughs> but. You know, Back to the Future would have to do this years later. Every time you have like a real high-profile movie and you're filming it where you know there's going to be a lot of media access, a lot of fan access, you don't want everybody just bombarding the set and then everything leaks out. So they go by the name Blue Harvest and even go as far as to have hats and T-shirts printed, which you can still find on eBay to this day. Uh, and Blue Harvest was masquerading itself as a horror movie because it even had the tagline, Horror Beyond Imagination. But that's just crazy to look back because this is such a common thing now that they just will film under a different title. And at this point, it's not we're going to do it just as a joke or, you know, maybe 90 percent of people will know what we're filming. But those 10 percent, you can avoid slightly bigger crowds. This worked. I mean, people in wherever towns they were filming were just like, oh, they're doing some horror movie here called Blue Harvest. And, you know, uh, it was just it was bought. And this this started that this was like the first movie that really had to go under a code title so that everything didn't leak out.
0: That, um, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really work nowadays, though, does it? Because it's like every single time there is. I mean, we, we're seeing that a lot right now with the um, No Time to Die. Everyone knew that, like, Bond was filming here, so people were flocking it out, and then, like, people were filming footage of it, and then Sony were suing these people and all this kind of stuff. So um, it's it's interesting, though, that <laughs> as, as much today at least of the efforts they go to hide a movie from being in production that everybody within five minutes knows oh yeah they're just filming star wars because didn't that happen with mm-hmm. um uh last jedi when they were filming on that little island in ireland that little island in ireland huh that uh um, yeah, luke's island yeah. <laughs> yeah that people like were flying helicopters and everything over it to kind of catch a glimpse of it or something like that mm-hmm yeah Yes. 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 Yes, yes. I like the mullet. <laughs> you, 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 were, you were very into that point that I made, so thank you for that. Um... <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. So, Will- oh, yeah.
0: I love the, the whole revenge of the Jedi thing, how what basically George Lucas thought, yeah. the, like, like, Jedis don't conduct revenge. Like, it's kind of, we can't do that. But I also mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that eventually – uh what a good twenty three, twenty two years, twenty three years, twenty two years later, uh he would use the word revenge anyway. So, you know, nice little bit. I'm I'm surprised that we didn't have Star Wars Episode Nine, the blue harvest of Skywalker, to kind of bring it all together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I mean Revenge of the Jedi, that's the other thing to mention, is that uh uh, I think uh, George Lucas originally wanted to call it Return of the Jedi, and, and the first meeting with Lawrence Kasdan and you know uh, some of the other filmmakers said, yeah, that's going to be called Return of the Jedi, and everybody was sort of like, that's kind of a weak title, like, can we come up with something better, and they said, well, we could do Revenge of the Jedi, but George Lucas wasn't really sure about the Revenge, yet it went into production, uh, we're talking about post-production, where – If you see the original trailer, the first trailer released for this, it is a Revenge of the Jedi trailer. Mm -hmm. And there are posters you can still buy to this day that were shown in movie theaters where you'd walk in the lobby and the Revenge of the Jedi poster would be there. And it was pretty late in post-production, maybe only a few months before it came out, where they decided, you know what, we're going to revert back to the Return of the Jedi title because revenge isn't in a Jedi's nature, which does make sense. I mean, let's be honest, Revenge of the Jedi, it is a better title, but... Had you call Revenge of the Jedi? I mean, I, I, I agree with George because I don't think that fits. And um, just if we're going to start on it now, you know, things that uh, people will jump all over the prequels for or even the sequels, but uh, give the free pass to the originals. I mean, Return of the Jedi, it is a weak title. You know, it fits because we grew up with it. But you remember, like, Attack of the Clones when they announced how much hatred there was? But, like, Attack of the Clones sounds like a cheesy B-sci-fi movie. It's like, you realize what Star Wars is based on, right? (laughs) Uh, But, like, Return of the Jedi is simple and is, you know, unimaginative as it sounds – It still fits that whole episode thing, like the the movie serial thing. I mentioned uh, how I re-edited A New Hope and gave all of the different sections of the movies those chapters, like, you know, the Imperial Attack and uh, the, 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 I don't know, the Trash Compactor. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Uh, I, I took a lot of titles from, like, the soundtrack, like Chasm, Crossfire, and you would have movie serials where the you know, episode number six return of the jedi it's, it's just it still fits even though like i'm on board that it is not the strongest title we could have gotten but still Re- revenge of the jedi don't think that would have worked for this
0: i uh, i've never really been down on it because i think kind of yeah it's it's i think a new hope What's, is the worst games though. Well, exactly. Like what's, Well, I mean, Order 66, basically. It's been 40 years. Finally, they get their revenge. But I think I, I think A New Hope's a pretty weak title. I know there's a lot of people who don't acknowledge that uh, the first one is called A New Hope because people are like, no, it's the first movie. It's just called Star Wars. Um, so I, I understand that. But, um, yeah, I, I've never really been against the title. I think it's it works. I think it's kind of like it's one of those ones I remember in the, the lead-up to The Last Jedi that people were – you know is that pluralize is jedi like multiple like is it you know singular yeah. and that's kind of i think what you can also add to this one as well it's kind of you know it's it's more i would say pluralize even though there's only one jedi but the whole jedi order is back essentially i guess you could say with the return of luke so yeah, yeah. i i yeah i'm fine with it
1: yeah yeah <laughs> You're more excited. You seem very uh, offended. (laughs) I I, I think I
0: should be like the Jedi Rocks guy. That that screamy thing that comes in with a spit coming out of his mouth. What is that thing called? Uh,
1: (laughs) Jedi Rocks guy?
2: uh. Jedi Rocks guy.
1: Can we just when that comes up, we gotta like do do a duet or something?
2: <laughs> are, you, are you
1: you? do lip girl. I'll do Jedi Rock guy. <laughs> always wanted to be lip
0: girl. That's that's been a dream of mine.
1: <laughs> um, I guess before we'll, we'll do the opening crawl as always, but before we do that, uh, you know the box office for this movie. I mean, obviously we're gonna cover that at the end. You know, how big this was but even just the way that there was all this fanaticism when the movie came out and they had to have secret titles and all that, this became the first movie where people lined up ahead of time. Like return of the Jedi, you know, Phantom Menace is the one most well known for that, but return of the Jedi was the one where, you know, a week or two weeks ahead of time, there were people lining up outside of theaters to see this movie. And, uh, that's something that again continues to this day. And I don't know if that really happens in anything other than Star Wars. I mean, I think we mentioned on the Phantom Menace episode, like, that time's passed because of what happened with with the Phantom Menace, uh, but I would love to experience that again. Like, they they bring that back for episode... It's not going to happen for episode 9, but if they bring that back for episode 9, like, I would camp out overnight, but uh, these are all the fun things, like, if you were back in 1983, you know, it uh, would have been great to experience that lineup and to... Be in the theater the first time. Sadly, we didn't get to experience it though. Uh, did you? I don't even think we covered this. Uh, I know I mentioned mine with lining up. But did you, you? didn't get a lineup for Phantom Menace. Did you even get a campouts? Uh, I think
0: we did. I, I really do think we did. I mean, I do vaguely remember as a twelve-year-old seeing lines for it going in. But um, I, I mean, look, I can't recall if I saw it on opening day. I saw it twice. Um, but I can't remember at what point I saw it. I mean, definitely when we get to the sequels uh, next week and the week after, I can definitely recall lines for those. I mean, I they're the only two movies in my life I've ever been to midnight screenings. Um, so, And particularly when it comes to The Force Awakens, I can talk a lot about, um, you know, experiencing the fandom in Hobart for that because I was at a newspaper at the time, so I wrote a story about it all and kind of just the, the anticipation it had. So... Obviously, I, I remember a lot more of that for the sequel trilogy. But, yeah, I, I do vaguely remember lines for Phantom Menace because that was at that point when we only had the one cinema in Hobart. So, um, yeah, but I, look, I don't remember 1983. Uh, I was minus four <laughs> then. So um, my my parents had only been together for basically a year. I think my sister was born in 1983. So, yeah, I was barely even a thought process at that point
1: um let's just do the opening crawl and the opening scene this is uh a little bit different from the star wars movies just as far as i just want to do the the one opening scene here because unlike the other star wars where one scene leads into the next this one just sort of has the opening one and then it jumps to something else uh which i've heard that the opening scene was not supposed to take place on vader ship that would have come later uh but opening crawl sadly we don't get enough caps in this one Um, But uh, there's tons we could do I'll do it twice here I'll do one as is and one without Luke Skywalker Oh, sorry A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away
0: (laughs) And (laughs) and, and, and can we point out The last time we get the 20th Century Fox uh, Which is still still a weird thing for me Watching the Disney ones That you don't get the <Capitol installing noise> like, it's just, it's weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Not-
1: yeah, and like, even when they did the shortened version, I think it was Attack of the Clones was the first time where you didn't have like the the drum intro, the tsh, 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 it just jumped right into it. Du, 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 du. yeah. You need the full thing. Like that's there's a reason why on the Star Wars soundtracks, the first track is 20th Century Fox yeah. Fanfare because you yeah. just you associate with Star Wars. And well, hey, let's go back in time a little bit. You know, just before we do the opening crawl here, uh, the 20th Century Fox Fanfare had not been used in years. At the time Star Wars came out, because George Lucas was doing kind of a retro thing, at least in terms of storytelling, he wanted this to be a throwback to old movie adventures and everything. He included that in there so that it felt like something from the past. And that sort of revived this turn Century Fox fanfare. And now, you know, generations know it just as. You know, well, the Star Wars music.
0: There's, there's uh, two There's two that automatically remind me of things. It's this reminds me of Star Wars, and when you get the silence with the lion and the roar, it reminds you of James Bond. And there are, there are obviously yeah. a couple of the Bond films where, you know, they've added the Columbia thing nowadays and, like, you had the, what, the new artist, United Artists at the beginning of, like, Goldeneye and some of the other movies. Mm-hmm. So there are a few that obviously get away from that tradition. But, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, MGM's in the beginning of every single James Bond movie in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So that's where, like... And they're the two franchises that you and I often say they're the greatest franchises in the world to us. They're our two favourite uh, franchises yeah. in movies. So it's I, I remember vividly, uh, and we're we'll probably going to talk about this more next week, Force Awakens, seeing it with Noah, just being like, oh, my God, there's no 20th Century Fox. This is weird. Like, what, what's going on? Like, it was it was almost as <laughs> jarring as not having a gun barrel at the beginning of, like, the first
1: three Craig films. Can you imagine if they just start Rise of Skywalker with like the steamboat Willy wheelie- thing? <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's, it's like, um, Do you I mean. Know what...
0: That, that's a good point. But like Jurassic Park obviously kind of has the Universal ones, but I don't know if you recently saw that mm-hmm. one earlier this year with the, the, the short film that they did. And they kind of, they added the Universal logo, but then they kind of added like the whole, the dinosaur logo that looked like continents, which I thought was amazing. Like they kind of added mm-hmm. to what was really kind of popular with that. So, I mean, we're going to see a Universal logo in front of No Time to Die next year, aren't we? Because doesn't Universal have the distribution rights to Bond now? So that- that's... I think they do. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm on tangents here, but
1: it's just yeah. you, you associate these. <laughs> let's just <let's> continue. This. <laughs> well, let's continue the tangents because uh, Universal, that's the, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, that's a. Uh, <laughs> so, Casper for Christmas last year, Jamie got him. Uh, it's like. A dvd of a bunch of different woody woodpecker cartoons <laughs> and it starts i guess the new woody woodpecker is universal so it always starts with that and casper is he has like an incredible memory Where he'll memorize, like exact, he'll have the rhythm and the beats and everything. And we noticed, like very early on, in him watching this over and over again, that he was watching the Universal logo. And when the boom boom came, he would like bounce his body, like he'd he'd have rhythm to it. (laughs) And we were watching Scott Pilgrim versus the World last night, and the Universal logo comes on at a point in that movie. It's actually incorporated in the movie when uh funny enough, chris evans character uh, is filming a movie and he appears on screen skateboarding and that music's just sort of playing as his intro music and casper stops and he looks at the screen and then as soon as the bump bump comes he does his little bounce <laughs> that's his version of the 20th century fox so one day years from now when woody woodpecker episode 9 uh the rise of chilly willy comes out and they've <laughs> Left Universal behind He's like this is not right Come on how can you have Woody Woodpecker without Universal um,
0: that's, uh, uh, I need to see that And just to confirm as well I like proving myself that I'm right That yes Universal has the international distribution rights To James Bond films So uh, there is every likelihood that next year We will see the lion featured with the Da 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 Bum bum Da 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 but for, for now, we
2: have. <laughs> <laughs> and no bad robot. <laughs> yeah, no
1: bad robot. <laughs> um, I want, I want any- them to do the
0: Star Wars opening like Lost. Just have the, the, the sort of the white text and the black screen going. Doo!
1: Like just spinning <laughs> towards the camera. Star Wars. You know, because we grew up. we were really going off attention. Because we grew up on VHS. Like, how great would it be if we could get the THX thing up playing before oh, this movie? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Because that, um, that would always play before the original. one. The, actually, the one that yeah. I, I always remember too, and I looked this up the other day, Uh, I remember when I got Independence Day on VHS, like as it got released, you know, big deal. And on the V8, before the movie started, the two trailers I had were for the Independence Day PlayStation 1 game, which I always wanted, but I had a Nintendo 64, so I could never get it. And then it was the trailer for the Star Wars Special Editions. So it was like, you know, for generations, people have experienced Star Wars (laughs) on the small screen, but now get ready to see it in the way it was intended. And then they're like, Oh, that
1: was a great trailer.
0: Yeah, so like I looked that up the other day. It's on YouTube, and it's it's great the way they kind of advertise that. So I used to always remember because I watch Independence Day all the time. That that trailer would always play for the uh, the special editions of the Star Wars trilogy.
1: Did you ever get to play the Independence Day PlayStation game? No, I don't think I ever did. <laughs> Sadly, you know, what? It, like the entire game is just flying ships. You know, <laughs> it's just all the 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 battles between you know the. The air force and the aliens but that was such an addictive game to be like I, I i could get all the way to the final level and i don't think i was ever able to blow up the the ship because it was really cool when you get to fly like their own fighters at one point but that's a cool game we should we should recap it one day uh, but soon. let's recap, right game, here to recap.
0: yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> independence day playstation <laughs> uh, we could hey you know what? If they do another Star Wars trilogy, we've run out of things to recap. We're going to be recapping Super Return of the Jedi for the oh, Super Nintendo.
0: Rogue Squadron. Um, yeah. What was it um the the what was, I used to have one on the I'm not a PC person. I'm a console person. But the one I had on a PC was like Jedi Knights two or something like that. It wasn't Old Republic. It was the other one they did. Which one? Yeah.
1: Um. There, there was the Jedi Knight games, and then there was the um. Uh, they did a Jedi Knight Obi-Wan game, which was on a console.
0: Oh, yeah. But you you played as a Jedi. You had a lightsaber and shit. But it was awesome. Like, I loved it. It was really such a cool game. But anyway, yeah.
1: I had Gungan Frontier, which is like (laughs) the Gungans colonizing a moon on Naboo, which was basically like Sim Earth, if you ever played Sim Earth. Like, I had them all. So
0: good. I want Gungan Sims. That would be fun.
1: Uh. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) The Gungans have colonized the new moon of Rebu. (laughs) Uh, Really now, opening crawl. Luke Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue his friend Han Solo from the clutches of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Little does Luke know that the Galactic Empire (laughs) had secretly begun construction on a new armored space station, even more powerful than the first dreaded Death Star. When completed, this ultimate weapon would spell certain doom for the small band of rebels, struggling to restore freedom to the galaxy. Which ones can we capitalize here? I mean, the obvious ones. Luke Scott! Yeah, the dreaded Death Star. The stunning Um, Death Star. (laughs) Stunning? I want vile gangster, like, rescue Han Solo from the clutches of the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt. Clutches of the stunning Jabba the Hutt. (laughs) The first stunning Death Star. (laughs) When completed, this stunning weapon would spell stunning doom for the stunning band of rebels. Struggling to restore stunning freedom to the stunning galaxy.
0: I don't understand how they can construct this in secret. Um, I mean, it's just floating around this giant (laughs) planet-sized, moon-sized space station. Um yeah, I, I I do like the Honest Trailer for Return of the Jedi, how they basically say that Return of the Jedi starts the uh, franchise's long-running love of A New Hope, where basically they just recycle plots from A New Hope moving forward, which is kind of a good point, actually. But, um, yeah, I mean, this. how long did the first Death Star take to build, right? Like, Attack of the Clones, when we first ah. see it, that's how many years before A New Hope and all that. And this is, what, three years? No, not even three years. It's a year after... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, so four years after the Battle of Yavin, mm. and here we are, and it's, what, 75% complete.
1: They addressed that in the um, the audio commentary for Attack of the Clones. I can't even remember if we brought this up, but George Lucas mentions like, you know, some people consider it a plot hole because we're showing the the, the Death Star being... Constructed here, or maybe in Revenge of the Sith, because we see the plans for it in Attack of the Clones, and then we see the beginning of the construction of Revenge of the Sith. And he's like, you know, so why did it take twenty years to build the first Death Star when the next one was, you know, built in, you know, a couple of years? And he's like, I just like to figure that you know they had inventory issues and uh, labor <laughs> disputes, and that uh, you know, the, the 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 Dark Side had, uh, you know, Vader and uh, the Emperor had been able to. You know work on some of those union bosses over the years and just speed up construction on the second one but but it is like that's kind of the beginning here like people if this were the prequels it would never be given a free pass um but i don't know like has it ever bothered you that this is just the death star again
0: not really i i see a lot of people criticize this but it's, it's funny i feel like i'm being a bit of a hypocrite because I, I have a lot of criticisms over star base but i think the difference is, is you can kind of understand why they might just go out and build another one because, you know, I guess in their minds, like, oh, okay, it was perfect except for one little floor. Damn you, Urso. So let's build another one. And <laughs> kind of people will then complain, oh, it was so much easier to destroy this one. But at the end of the day, they're kind of in construction mode at this point. So I kind of un- can understand a little bit how it's, so easier to destroy this one if you know what i mean so no it's never it's never bothered me i think it's at the end of the day if you know you have a nuclear bomb that gets destroyed you're going to build another nuclear bomb that's a bit better aren't you so exactly i think like
1: i understand from the point of view of give the audience something new but what else are you going to come up with because you need you did the first movie where this ultimate weapon you know can destroy an entire planet do you have any way of coming up with something bigger unless you're just going to do Killer base, which there's a lot of problems with just the physics of how that works. Um, how else do you up the ante this time where it's like, okay, this is our last chance. If we don't do this, everybody's dead. You can, you have to do something. You can't just have a super, super star destroyer, you know, that can do these incredible things. And that's the logic I always had too. Is like, let's say the first ever nuclear bomb you know, some some spy like James Bond went in there and he snipped a wire, and ah, now this thing is no good; it's a dud. Well, let's just scrap the you know nuclear arms race. And it's like, no, you're gonna build another one. <laughs> I'm sure there yeah. are tons of nuclear warheads that just malfunctioned or whatever over the years, or and they just said, okay, let's build another one. But maybe they could have made it slightly different. But I think the design of this being a, visually, the design of this being a half constructed or two thirds constructed Death Star. It makes this one look more interesting, so I I kind of accept it as I like the new Death Star because it looks different.
0: Yeah, I agree, and it's like it's kind of yeah, as I said, we have some complaints about Star Killer Base, but I mean, on the grand scheme of things, I mean, what more can you do? The ultimate weapon is a planet destroyer. I mean, what else? Like, oh, I'm going to be a universe destroyer. Like, I mean, sure. that kind of doesn't help <laughs> the Empire, does it? Then because they've got no Empire to rule over, then no universe, so. Um, I mean, my biggest gripe around Star Base is that, like, literally The Force Awakens is a remake of A New Hope. There's no hiding it. Whereas, at least with this, it's different. Like, they, they go out of their way mm. to be different about this Death Star. They go out of their way to be different... About how they're going to go about and do it and the plans around it. So, yeah, there are similarities. I'm not going to deny it. Um, and again, that honest trailer is does point out a lot of kind of the similarities used here and even in Phantom Menace and other ones where they kind of, you know, recycle some points from A New Hope. But there's no escaping the Force Awakens clear, blatant ripping off mm-hmm. of The New Hope whereas these are just kind of subtle I guess nods so it's kind of like in any James Bond film you know oh they did that in this one Yeah, it's a subtle reference to what they did but they've done it slightly differently that's what I think Return of the Jedi does with what they have here with the, with the Death Star
1: yeah well there's another good comparison James Bond you only live twice you have a spaceship that swallows other spaceships yeah, Spy Who Loved Me. You have a giant tanker that swallows other tankers. Mm-hmm. They reuse the exact same plot. Uh, they just view, dress it up. A View a to bit. a
0: Kill is Goldfinger. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's basically the same plot, but again, they dress it up differently. I don't think they do mm-hmm. enough in The Force Awakens to dress it differently. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna. You can
1: already tell we're gonna have uh, a lot to say <laughs> on Force Awakens next week. But uh, Return of the Jedi for today. So, pan down space. Honestly, we didn't talk about the opening shot of Empire at all. But we we obviously talked a whole bunch about the opening shot of A New Hope. It's not that the opening shot of Jedi is very complex, but, like, all these opening shots... I, I always loved the first shot in a Star Wars movie, and I think most of them are fairly memorable. Some of them are just generic, you know, a shot in space, like the Phantom Menace is just a ship. And, you know, Empire was just sort of a Star Destroyer and some probes. Uh, you know, this one's just sort of one of the generic ones. It's nothing like Revenge of the Sith or even Force Awakens or, um, you know, A New Hope, obviously... But similarly, last week we were talking about that one shot in Empire during the asteroid field chase, which was like the most complex shot ever because of how many different elements were on screen. I don't even think I really noticed how many things go on in this opening shot. And it's more an appreciation for 1983 effects and how far they came. Because as much as everybody loves that opening shot of A New Hope, you know, it's pretty simple to to put together. It was just the genius of the size of the Star Destroyer. You have like two ships and a planet. Here you have... You know, this shuttle, you have the the moon, you have the effect of the shield around the moon and the Death Star, the half-built Death Star. You have the Star Destroyer. There's a lot of stuff going on in the opening shot. Um, This opening scene, it's always kind of stuck out to me just because it's sort of its own standalone scene. And whereas all the other movies, it's like that thing of, you know, following the droids from point A right to the end of the movie in A New Hope, and even in Empire, you know, you have the open shot of the probe, and then it leads right to the heroes, and you jump right in the story. This is just its own scene, doesn't really bridge to anything else, even though there was uh, a deleted scene, which we'll talk about in a second, but this is just Vader's arrival, and we, we get a little bit about the, uh, the co-pilot here, and the, the pilot deactivating the shield generator, um, so we already have the setup for you needing the codes and everything. Uh, Vader's shuttle lands, and I love that opening shot where the ramp comes down and you're just seeing his feet with all the the the, the steam shooting off everywhere. It's a great shot. Uh, you can't help but notice the very small greeting party that Vader gets here. I mean, obviously his prestige has risen in the Empire because he has a greeting party, whereas in a New Hope, you know, everybody was sort of like making fun of him. it was like, oh, there's that crazy, you know, uh Sith guy and they don't even take him seriously on the Death Star uh and Tarkin's sort of his boss. And here, like you have the new this guy's name Mofta Girard. He's I guess the replacement for Tarkin. You know, maybe with not as much seniority because Doesn't he just smell like his boss around. Doesn't smell, yeah. <laughs> not as much of a foul stench. Uh, but I remember um not when I was a kid because I knew I knew who this was, but as I got a little bit older you know, thinking this was like, oh, uh, when I saw the special editions, I think for the first time I was like, this was after Forrest Gump and Apollo 13. I'm like, is that a young Gary Sinise? I remember, like <laughs> not having an IMDb to look it up and actually thinking, I think that's Gary Sinise. And, it's Lieutenant know, Dan. Like, there he is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, he's got. He looks a little bit about, like Gary Sinise. Like I don't know if you've uh, uh, heard about the Scott Bakula uh, thing. I think that's in Jedi or Empire um one of these original trilogy movies there's uh an imperial officer that people insisted was like a young scott Bakula. turns out it wasn't but you know you watch these old movies and you never know maybe that was gary sinise uh maybe he's been uncredited all these years what well, didn't does I
0: mean forrest gump is not he like you know the day you become a shrimp boat captain the day i'm an astronaut although he yes, obviously yeah. was in um you know apollo 13 a year later so i mean you know
1: either way he yeah. was telling the truth he didn't get to go into space in that one so. uh, too soon here Colin. he's Gary Sinise <laughs> wow
0: Gary Sinise man. in Star Wars what a man Gary Sinise um, the Rene Russo of men
1: <laughs> by the way I I just have to say um I love at the time we're recording this I think our Phantom Menace episode has just gone up and, you know, we had that whole, uh, or not the um, Phantom, yeah, Phantom Menace episode just went up, but our Terminator one sort of just wrapped up. And we had that whole Rene Russo thing during the Terminator thing. Don't you love, like, the first comment we got on <laughs> our Terminator 2 recap was on the Rene
0: Russo thing? So, yeah, I can't wait for that. Free Jack. <laughs> and then also, I don't know if you noticed on our Twitter page that um, somebody actually replied to it with, like, Rene Russo, ha ha ha. So, <laughs> this is not just us. Colin, Rene Russo is everybody's favourite. So, like, we need to get on to this.
1: (laughs) It's happening next year, people. Rene Russo month is coming very soon. We have planned We uh, we had a month selected for that? What was it?
0: We've got four four movies. And I think Free Jackie is one of them from memory. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) So, so, who know, maybe Gary Sinise month will leave for
0: next next time. 2021, Uh, Gary Sinise month is coming to the Oz (laughs) Network. Yeah, well, I mean, there's some good movies there. Apollo 13, Forrest Gump, um, CSI New York. <laughs> great movie, CSI New York. <laughs> Insert other great Gary Sinise movies here. Uh, I'm sure there's others. <laughs> with Rene Russo. Which one was that one? Some with Rene Russo. Oh, right, all right, yes. There you go. Come on. Uh, we, we, it's the crossover. It's a backdoor pilot to Gary Sinise. Month. Yes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh, We could just two months right there. Um, oh, anyways, Gary Sinise, Moff, just <laughs> uh, Moff kind of a fun character because he's very subservient to Vader here. But most of his stuff got deleted from this movie. He actually had a big subplot. Uh, I'll just kind of mention it now because it's just a bunch of small scenes later on. But uh, later on, once you know the battle's taking place, he's sort of given the order to blow up the moon. And he's conflicted with it. And it was sort of put in there to be like not at all Imperial officers are evil. And you almost get the impression here, like Moff de Jura, he's not an evil, you know, Imperial officer like anybody else. But this would have been, you know, very uh, uh, early um, idea that, that we eventually get with Finn when we get to The Force Awakens next week is that, you know, the, the conflict of, it, you know, oh, I don't think I can do this. Uh, but there were quite a few scenes with them saying, blow up the moon, blow up the moon. And he's saying, oh. Do I have to? <laughs> not not because he's lazy, but because he really didn't feel it was right. He's like, we're going to kill our own people down there. Uh, blowing up the moon, of course, would have ruined the entire appeal thing because, you know, they're being protected by this shield, and let's blow it up. <laughs> Leave ourselves vulnerable. Doesn't really make sense. But uh, Jajad here, he's, you know, sucking up to Vader, right? We're honored by your presence. I love that Vader's just to be like, you may dispense with the pleasantries, Commander. I'm here to put you back on schedule. But... <laughs> He has like this, I wouldn't call it defiance, but he's clearly more comfortable with Vader. He's like, the Emperor asked the impossible. I need more men. he goes, well, then perhaps you can tell yourself, Emperor's coming here? Well, tell not offer so He's like really excited all of a sudden. I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Um, <laughs> it's just He's just a fun character. I think growing up, I always loved Admiral Piet, you know, the one guy who survived empire we talked about and we'll see him you know again here in this movie but i think moff de Jura now on retrospect is probably my favorite one <laughs> he's 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 a little bit of everything he's a little bit of a coward a little bit ballsy a uh, little bit honorable uh there is the the scene as i said this just immediately cuts from vader walking away with the imperial march and his 16 people who came to greet him as opposed to like the 600 that come to greet the emperor later uh, but then we just immediately jump to Tatooine, and uh, there was two bridging scenes here. When Vader walks away from Jirad, uh the original movie, which you can see the deleted scenes of, he goes into his little, you know, egg, his Kinder Egg uh, bubble, and he starts communicating with Luke. So this is the same as The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it would have tied in well to, like, Kylo Ren, you know, being able to reach out to Rey and everything. Uh, where he's like Luke, Luke and then he's saying, you know, join me, join the dark side, you know, it is your destiny. And then they cut to Luke on Tatooine, which would have been the proper, you know, way to bridge these two scenes, and Luke's constructing his lightsaber. Yeah, I don't I know if you have say, you ever I've, seen I've, the
0: scene. I was, yeah, I was about to say I've seen that one. I was about to ask if that's the one because um I was reading a or watching a video on YouTube about um the recent announcement that they're about to do a comic series set between season uh Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi kind mm. of showing this construction, and then they sort of cut and showed that deleted scene and I'd never seen it before it's it's fascinating actually, and um yeah it's it's always interesting when you see these deleted scenes that you've never seen before and i mean they're obviously quite old, they're more than thirty years old, but um yeah it's it's still an interesting sort of thing to see this this vision it's it's a yeah I, I like the deleted scene.
1: And another interesting thing about it is that it was cut very late in the movie because they didn't go out of their way with the the Blu-rays for the original trilogy scenes to clean them up or add effects. The way that uh, when The Phantom Menace came out, uh, it it was quite an interesting idea. They said, we have all these deleted scenes, but we're actually going to finish all the visual effects so you can see what, even though they weren't finished when we cut them from the movie, so you can see what it's like. None of the deleted scenes are like that, but if you notice, Luke's lightsaber here is green Mm. uh, when he Finishes building and it ignites it. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the trailer uh, for the first trailer when it was so Revenge of the Jedi or maybe even the second trailer. But in those trailers, before the movie came out, Luke had another blue lightsaber and it was decided closer to when the movie came out, they're like, this is going to be confusing for the audience now that we've cut the thing of him building his lightsaber, or maybe even because we see it here as green, you know, they just figured it would be confusing. That, is it? This, did he repair the original lightsaber? Because I guess you couldn't tell. So the whole idea about changing, the reason we have two colors of lightsabers for Jedi is because it would have caused too much confusion in the audience. They would be like, but he lost his lightsaber. Like, Did he go back and find it? Is he rebuilding it? So they changed the color to make it clear that it is not the original lightsaber, yet we have the green blade here when he's building it, which means this scene would have been cut probably very close to when the movie came out. But that uh, scene also would have shown Luke kind of you know, programming R2 with the message he's going to send and 3PO's waiting outside, and they sort of leave um, saying some of the dialogue that's going to come in the actual scene, which is about, you know, oh, Lando and uh, Chewie never returned from this awful place. Uh, but that scene was supposed to lead into what we actually get, which is 3P and R2, you know, walking through the desert on the way to Jabba's palace, and 3PO saying, Lando and Chewie never return. I think it's better to, even though it's a really cool scene, and I think a lot of fans love that building the lightsaber, it does kind of kill the suspense of this entire first act, because as we've said, the first act here on Jabba's palace It's just filler. I mean, it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's its own standalone adventure. You kind of could take it out of the entire story. But the suspense here is you don't know that Luke had a plan the whole time. So when he's giving the droids away, you're like, where is he? When they say Lando and Chewie never return, seeing Luke there, it kind of gives away that it's all you know part of the plan. So I like it better seeing it, at least for the point of view of the story, I like it better seeing it from 3PO's eyes where he doesn't know. And don't you also love the like, R2 is in on the plans all the time. Like we even said, his memory is not wiped at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Only the protocol droid's mind is wiped. So he knows the whole time. And yet, 3PO is always left in the dark. Like, he doesn't know about this Obi-Wan mission in New Hope. He doesn't know anything. Nobody trusts 3PO. <laughs> R2-D2 <laughs> like, would a- be good at Survivor.
0: He's good at keeping secrets.
1: Oh, yeah. And, like, 3PO, you know, it's against his programming to impersonate a deity. Like, couldn't they just make it part of his programming? Don't spill secrets, C.P.O., and this would never be a problem? They have to hide him from everything. Pull, Pull three, please. I also found it really interesting in in this movie, because we get it in the opening scene where he's saying, you know, Lando and Chewie never return from here. uh, And then when he's knocking on the door, one of my favorite three-point moments of all time is we better knock I suppose gives like the lightest sound, like. Yeah. there doesn't seem to be anybody here let's go back and tell
0: us I've always loved that like even when I was watching this in Dallor I'm like just watch this bit this is awesome it's just like there's nobody here R2 let's go and then we get that E-tool-tah! like that thing yeah
1: the, the, the little robot that comes out and 3Pills reaction. you talked about this wonderful last week here's the Aquila goodness gracious me <laughs> and when I was a kid that oh, the goodness gracious me always cracked me up because like, only three people can pull that off but this is all like the cowardly three people and even when they you know he's translating here and saying you know we bring a, ma- a message so this robot guard thing this wizard of oz guard thing lets them in the door and they come in and um i love they bump into the the, the green things the gamorian guard uh, which it's great makeup effect on that like th- there's some bad effects in this movie but there's some great ones too uh and then bib fortuna you know one of your favorites pops up here and three PO say you know we're here to bring a message you just get like three POs fear the entire time like uh i, I love you saying you know oh and oh wait here's the weirdest thing do you even noticed how sexually aggressive bib fortuna is getting with r2 here <laughs> like we-, we talked about tarkin and leia have this sexual chemistry but like it's reciprocated on both sides like leia's almost seeing flirty with him while he's seeing flirty with Before she was like stroking R2's face and it's like, no, don't talk to Jabba, talk to me. <laughs> like, it's really creepy when you watch it and R2's just like, no, 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 <laughs> He's shaking his head like, Hashtag this, is, this is very, this is E 2 R2 here.
0: <laughs> come on, where's, where's the big uh, thing about this, people? Like, where's the big campaign about how poor old Kenny Baker in this droid outfit was like getting molested by, you know, come on.
1: Hey, we we mentioned, you know, with the the Han thing and Leia, you know, some of the stuff, if you had it nowadays, people you wouldn't get away with it. Let's add this to the list. There is a lot of really over-the-top, Me Too stuff going on in the original trilogy that nobody wants to talk about, and this is it. Um, But uh, Bib Fortuna, you know, uh, brings them to Jabba, and uh, 3PO gets the line of the movie here, you know, I have a bad feeling about this. I don't even think, did we bring up in Empire, that it was Leia that got that line? Uh,
0: I don't think we did, no. It's said twice yes. in this movie, though, isn't
1: it? Uh, well, it said I know it's said twice in uh, A New Hope, because Luke has... Uh, I have a very bad feeling about this, and Han has... I have a bad feeling about this. Leia gets an Empire. Three people get it. Yeah, I am pretty sure, it's I always Han, remember...
0: Doesn't Han say it on Endor? On I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah,
1: yeah. well, it'll jog memory when we get there, I'm sure. But yeah, because I always remember that they were like multiples in all the movies at least of this original trilogy except for this one i mean if we have it i have a bad feeling count here we have what obi-wan gets it in a phantom menace yeah uh anakin gets it uh in attack of the clones uh who had it in revenge of the sith uh isn't
0: it either obi or anakin when they're in the early isn't it obi in the beginning when they right
1: before they go into grievous's ship when the shields go oh, i have a bad feeling about yeah, this yeah so Obi Wan gets to be the only character that says it twice. Then, uh, well, I guess Han gets it twice if, if it is true when it comes to play. Ben's not a
0: Rogue One, and that they kind of joke about it. Then obviously yeah. the Last Jedi fucking shits all over it by getting BB-8 to say it in droid speak. Ah ha ha! Look how witty and clever you are, Ryan Johnson. Dickhead.
1: I mean, if we are going to count Han Solo's, I have a really good feeling about this from Solo. Mm. Then Han Solo is over Obi Wan is the one who gets who, it the
0: most. Is it Ray says it in Force Awakens?
1: Uh, or is it Finn?
0: Isn't it one of them says it?
1: I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our knowledge of the sequels <laughs> is strong. <laughs> we'll update you next week. Yes. Uh <laughs> Anyway, so they go to give their gift to Jabba. Maybe that's why Bib Fortuna was getting flirty. Like, people usually show, I have a gift here for Jabba. It's like one of these Twi'lek, you know, slave girls. And he's like, just once, I want the gift, little droid. Slave droid. Uh, but- <laughs> Yeah. But I also love 3 po again. It's so completely out of the loop where it's like uh you know, we we bring uh your master a message and a gift is he translated for Gift Gift. <laughs> I love 3 po in this movie.
0: Can I just point that out right now? That 3PO has some great stuff in this movie.
1: And and I never really notice again until you sit down and take notes, you don't notice some things in movies, even if you know it by heart. But like in A New Hope we sort of labeled 3 po as like the uh, the 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 bad abusive boyfriend to R two and in Empire he was just the obnoxious stressed out uh, you know always freaking out very high strung this one he's just like cowardly three P O mm. and it's a com- it's actually a completely different character than we got in the first two and I agree with you I think that even though I think three pos funniest moments and maybe his the most Anthony Daniels got to play was in Empire I think I might be swayed to say that Jedi might be my favorite three P O performance. Um, and, you know, he, he, it is a real performance. I mean, this is all Anthony Daniels. You know, he, he created this character. He wasn't even supposed to do the voice. We mentioned that in uh, A New Hope as well. Uh, but they eventually get to go before Jabba. Uh, J- Jabba is such a great look in this. Like, I think it's one of the most unique looks for an alien. And even though I'll definitely praise what they were able to do with, uh, you know, Yoda, CGI Yoda in the prequels, uh, and I'm not going to knock the effects for Jabba. I think there's just something, because it was animatronic here and he was so stiff, like his face didn't, his head didn't move much. It took six, you know, puppeteers to operate Jabba. You had somebody on the tail, somebody on the arm, somebody on the other arm, you know, somebody doing the eyes, somebody doing the mouth. Uh, so many people went into making Jabba here because it's very early animatronics. He doesn't have a lot of movement, and in a way, I just feel like that fits the character better because this is just like the, you know, obese uh, mob boss who's just, you know, I mean, he's he's so fat he can't even move. Uh, and I don't know if I like the movement of Jabba. I don't even think it's an effects thing. I don't like the movement of Jabba in either a New Hope, the CGI one, or in Phantom Menace. I just think it suits it so much better for him to just be this, you know, completely obese uh, s- slob here in this one. It just it suits the character and it makes him more sinister too. But um, uh, they deliver the message here to Java, which is Luke in hologram form. And uh, I don't know when R two got the upgrade from you know black and white to color uh, because it was a black and white one when he had Leia, but now Luke is in color, so uh, technology's advanced. We're gonna see more of that later on. And, uh, you know, he's identifying himself as a Jedi. And I love that Bib fortune. his only line of English dialogue. He's speaking to Jabba and Hutties <laughs> or whatever. And he's like, blah, 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 He's no Jedi. <laughs> he's just one line of English dialogue and he's just mocking him. Uh, and Luke's basically pleading to, you know, have Solo release. He's being very cordial here. You know, I understand your anger must be equally, you know, powerful. But... Uh, you know, I, I offer you a gift, these two droids. And then three people like, what? R2, you're playing the wrong message. <laughs> <laughs> and Jabba's saying, you know, there's going to be no uh, bargain. I, my favorite decoration in the Yupan, you see the carbonite thing. Um, so they just decide, we'll take this gift. Uh, the, the droids get led away. And as they're being led away, uh, I, I love where... 3PO says master luke never expressed any unhappiness with our work <laughs> and then with like the, the dungeons below the palace another one of my favorite 3PO moments like the <laughs> very over the top oh how horrid! as there's like you know this and then he goes <laughs> <laughs> he really is the star here um, <laughs> we get the the droid torture chamber i guess it's just supposed to be like I don't know where the, the droids get their assignments. You have the, uh, the, the form in here. And I don't know whether they're repairing droids, dis- dismantling, them, or if this is torture. You know, because this this really cool droid here with the cool voice. You know, I have need for you on the master sail barge. It's like we haven't had an interpreter since our master got angry with the last one, <laughs> and he was disintegrating. He's like disintegrating. They just pan over and they're pulling the arms off this thing. You have a little gonk droid that was in the original movie who's being turned upside down. No, no, no! And they're just branding his feet. Like I remember, as a kid, that actually really scaring me. But like, I, I've never quite figured out if this is them torturing droids, like if this is punishment, or if they're just repairing them. But either way, it's really cool. And then we get to see the uh, ever-loved Jedi rocks. Uh, depending on which version you're watching here, <laughs> now, uh, okay, I don't, I don't think I have as much hatred for this as most people do because i think a lot of people have sort of forgotten that this is still a scene in the original the music is different i think the music kind of fits in the original version better i don't even know if you remember it much yeah. in, in a way it sort of sounds, it sort of sounds like you know bad 80s new wave music uh, it dates the movie a little but the atmosphere was maybe just having it as an instrumental was better because you're you're used to the cantina scene and there was no singing that it's just the over the top effects of like the singing here because even in the original version this this the the character's uh name what is her name um the singer uh, uh yes lip creature lip woman angelina lip, jolie yeah, let's go Angelina here. So Angelina, in the original movie, she was there. It was just a puppet. Now, you can see a couple of shots of this puppet, you know, supposedly singing, even though there's no lines. Which, again, in the original version, people, if you never update this, people will be saying, well, that's a you know, plot hole. Her mouth's moving, but she's not singing or anything. It looks really bad. Like, this is the worst animatronic puppet of all time. And I understand the need to update it Um the song isn't bad. It's just it's the idea of this musical number, and I think it's the other creature that kind of ruins it—the this rapping duet thing. Uh, mm. I don't know what we're gonna call ah, it, this guy because the spit mouth, uh, stream, screaming spit stream guy. It's just it's too over the top, and I think that the song could have even worked with like the background dancers and everything because the original version was sort of more of a instrumental dancing scene. I think it's just the other creature that doesn't work but i don't have hatred for the scene because again there still was a musical number in the original they didn't get to complete it because the singer didn't work you know the effects didn't work uh but the dancing sequence is still there and if this is one of those scenes that i think if it did if none of this had been in the original version and they had put all of this in a special edition people would have been like well why do we even need this dancing girl but it's there for the setup, you know, at, at this musical number, and then at the end of it, the the tulip dancer who Job is trying to pull closer, and she's sort of fighting him off. He just sort of dumps her in that little trap door. Uh, we hear the Rancor scream, but uh, we don't actually get to see the Rancor here. Uh, a lot of screaming off screen uh, from people, so you get that something horrifying is going on. And, um, the, uh, uh, the, the lead-in here after Jedi Rocks, well, Jedi Rocks, there's also a, well, that, I, I kind of like the, oh, well, when the girl falls, uh, but, uh, we get the entrance here of Chewie and not Leia, um, but it is <laughs> Leia, uh, I, I don't know why they keep assuming this is a guy because even with like that voice distorter, like it's clearly a very high-pitched voice. You got like a five-foot-nothing feminine figure here still, but they keep thinking this is a guy. Uh, Leia in disguise is a bounty hunter bringing in Chewie, but we don't know it's Leia. Again, it's actually really clever if you don't have that opening scene, and there's that mystery of what's going on. Because we saw the shot of Lando, or we see the shot of Lando coming up here. Uh, I don't remember if it was before or after this. And you see, well, he's in disguise there. But you kind of wonder, because Lando, the last time you saw him, he was, you know, maybe not the most honest character. He wasn't that trustworthy. We have Chewie coming in in shackles. We had three people mentioning they never came back from here. You have this bounty hunter that you don't realize is Leia yet. It's actually really intriguing the way this is all set up. And I, I don't think, I think without that, this opening act doesn't work at all. Um She's bringing in Chewie for the bounty, and Jabba says, you know, I'll gladly, you know, pay you the ransom of 25000 and, uh, Leia Bounty Hunter here says something, Through po translates, 50000 no less, I love it, he doesn't even, like, uh, I'm really sorry to tell you this, Master, but, he's like, 50000 no less, and Jabba's like, whoa, whoa. he just <laughs> knocks Through po over, when 3 comes back, he's got slime all over his face, what did I say, <laughs> um, we get a quick shot of Boba Fett. We know he's in there. And I love that he's flirting with this girl here. Yeah. Like It's kind of weird seeing Boba Fett trying to get it on with somebody. Uh, and then he's like, the, the illustrious Jabba wants to know why he has to pay 50000 And then Leia brings out this uh, detonator thing. Because he's holding a thermal detonator. I love everybody just screaming here. And Boba Fett draws a gun. <laughs> I'll stop you. Jabba actually likes this. Uh, this bounty hunter is my kind of scum. I offer you the sum of 35 and the three pills like he offers 35 and I do suggest you take it <laughs> detonator disarmed uh, really cool introduction. I love that job is a type of person. It's like, this is my kind of scum. This is where we see Lando. That's right. Uh, where, uh, as they're leading Chewie away, uh, Lando kind of pulls back that face mask thing he has and you see he's in helmet. Uh, and then we get nighttime scene, the uh we'll just kind of wrap it up with this sequence here. Uh nighttime, Leia's coming in, everybody's asleep, sneaking in there, still don't realize this Leia. Uh goes up to the carbonite thing. I remember as a kid not even knowing having any clue who this was that was was doing this, uh but when she's bringing the carbonite uh slab down, presses the buttons. Another thing that, you know, if it was in the prequels, people would be like, or if this was just in the special edition, people would be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, she defrosts him here. Where's the giant beams of light coming from inside here? Like, that's always kind of bothered me as he's defrosting and you see, like, his body parts emerging. There's, like, huge beams of light coming out of this. And you could say, okay, well, that was the the light from the heat. But, like, heat doesn't make light. That doesn't make any sense. But anyways... Uh, Han gets defrosted here. He falls on the ground. This bounty hunter uh, is talking to him, saying, you're free from the carbonite. And he's like, I can't see. You have hibernation sickness, so we know he's going to be blind for a while. Uh, and then they uh, saying, who are you? And then she takes off the helmet. Oh, it's Leia. She kisses him, somebody who loves you. And he goes, Leia. Now, having seen Solo, how great would it have been right there? He goes, Kira! <laughs> And then she's like, Kira? Who's <laughs> Kira? That's what I see now. Because we don't have a resolution with Kira's story. But there's many <laughs> women in Han's life. He's disoriented. He could play it off. It <laughs> not great. Um, and then all of a sudden you hear this laughing. Uh, what's that? I know that laugh. And the curtain pulls back. And uh, it's a trap. <laughs> it's Jabba. Got 3PO. I love that they have to cover 3PO's mouth. Like, this is the second movie in a row where you realize covering 3PO's mouth apparently stops him from talking. Yes. Doesn't actually make sense. This is a thing. Uh, and it was all a trap. They kind of knew this all along. Han's trying to talk his way out of this. This is like a classic Han Solo moment. Uh, I was just on the way uh, to pay you off and I got sidetracked. It's not my fault. <laughs> per- maybe one of the few moments in this movie where Han Solo or Harrison Ford is not phoning it in is where he's trying to talk his way out of this here. And uh, Jabba's saying, you know, there's going to be no bargain. You know, uh, you're. he says, you're back the Pudu. This is a Bulba line there, Pudu. Uh, uh, I'll pay you triple. You're throwing away a fortune. Don't be a fool. So he leads Han away. Uh, and Jabba brings Leia towards him. She says, you we have powerful friends. You're going to wreck this. What does he do? He licks her face <laughs> again. More inappropriate contact in a movie like Star Wars. Uh, and I'm sure everybody's got an opinion on the, the little creature here. I think the Honest Trailer... Uh, brought this up the maybe the one creature that the, yeah that's kind of cool. This creature Salacious crumb, Jabba's little cackling sidekick here. Do you like Salacious Crumb? I love
0: Salacious Crumb.
1: Yeah, we're on the same page. I mean some people do find Salacious crumb a little bit annoying but I mean, I love it. I, I think Honest, it was the Honest trailer for Jedi that brought yeah. that up. It's like, uh, all your old characters and all these new characters, like uh, Green Guy, and it's like, oh, Salacious Crumb's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's such, a, such a great like sinister character, especially when it start picking through his eye out later. Uh, but we'll just sort of wrap it up here with the reunion of Han and Chewie as Han gets thrown in the cell, and you just hear Chewie growling in the distance, and it's like Chewie, is that you? And yeah, Chewie comes out and uh, starts hugging Han and uh, telling him, you know, uh, oh, it's all Luke's plan. And is a Luke, I-, I also love this idea that like Luke has matured so much, even though it's been a year. Like Han's memory of him, you just realize how different Luke is. Where he's Luke can't even take care of himself, let alone rescue anybody, which would be true from Han's point of view. The last time you know we saw Luke and Han, Luke. Got mauled by a nice creature and Han had to rescue him, and it's probably not the only time it happened. Uh, and then he's saying, A Jedi Knight, you know, I'm out of it for a little while, and everybody gets delusions of grandeur. <laughs> and of course, I love Chewie, where he's like petting Han's head very viciously. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, oh, I'm all right, Chewie, I'm all right. Um, so we'll, we'll just sort of uh, cap it there for now before we get into all the Luke stuff later on, but. I, I know I've kind of commented before that, that you know, this Java stuff, it's its unnecessary. I don't hate the Java stuff at all. I i actually really love this. I i just feel like if you're going to compare this to all the other Star Wars movie, you have so little plot going on here, this almost feels more to me like an episode of The Clone Wars, but still, I, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. I love all this Java stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, this is, a, again, a lot of why I love this movie, it's just... I just love all of this stuff that's happening here. And I I get the argument of it's kind of pointless. Like, you know, you take this, what is it, like 45 minutes, half an hour out of the first point of the movie, and you kind of, you know, what's the point of everything? But I think at the end of the day, when we talked about earlier, about had Harrison Ford decided not to come, and they like, oh, he got frozen and he died then you don't have this and it's different and sure. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel you need to rescue Han to get on with the rest of your mission. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of goes on for a bit. But also I think, too, that we get all these mentions of Jabba early on and it's kind of we want to see who he is. And yeah. I think what the the prequels and the special editions have done well with Jabba is kind of make him more of a menacing figure that, goes to explain everything that we see in Jedi. So I think (laughs) now that we've got this complete franchise of, of extra bits, it, it, it adds to it. So I think that Mm -hmm. kind of, it's makes this more prominent now. Um, I love the opening bit. Yeah. Like with Vader and, um, what's this guy called? Moff Gerard, 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 um, Michael Pennington. I'm seeing here is a, is a prominent stage actor. And this was only his second ever movie. Uh, his previous movie was Hamlet. Then he was in this, and then he didn't act again to a movie called Fragile in two thousand and five, and then The Iron Lady in two thousand and eleven. He's only been in four movies, um, so he's been in a few TV shows and mainly stage work. So they've gotten like this esteemed Wait, British actor who's Hamlet to be in what Star was Wars. One of
1: his. Uh... <laughs> Was one of his TV shows
0: CSI New York? <laughs> um, yeah, he was a star. Look at this. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm seeing this other filmography, Forrest Gump, Apollo said. <laughs> um, but I, I do love, yeah, the whole, the way he kind of weasels up to Vader. And then the way he's like, we will double our efforts and make sure it gets <laughs> I I want to see the scene after this where he holds like, all right, guys, staff meeting. So, um, just a couple of things. Uh, Jenkins, uh, thank you very much for updating us on, uh, toilet procedures. Yes, we should have more wet signs, uh, wet floor signs. That's a safety thing. Uh, just another note. Tater tots will be in the lunchroom this afternoon. Great. Um yeah, I I agree with Frank, we should have a Death Star Bowling League, that's fantastic. Um what's this? Oh we have to double our efforts, all of you have to work twenty four hours, seven shifts, the Emperor's coming on Saturday. Great, any questions? <laughs> 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 Just like, you know. <laughs> I want the spin off. I want the team. I don't want the Mandalorian. I want to see the double effort um, workers of the Death Star builders. I mean, we talked about how quick this has already happened in the space of what? Less than three years. And th- this Death Star's bigger, isn't it? Isn't this like double the size of the original Death Star? So they've built this quicker in a shorter amount of time, and they're already now going to double their efforts? Jesus Christ.
1: We also, I mean, going back to, like, Rogue One and Solo and or even the, the the A New Hope Empire, we keep coming up with all these things, like, you know, join the Empire, we got dental and all. Like, there's so much I want to know about the Empire, you know? I want to see people on their lunch break being like, oh... They, they've made us double our efforts. Like, it's just not fair. You know what? We're going to strike. And then, you know, everybody's actually got picket signs and everything. And they're like, <laughs> no more double shifts. No more double shifts. And then the emperor comes, oh, no. He wasn't lying. He's here. <laughs>
0: I want uh, one of the funniest uh, sort of parody things they've got on YouTube. And I don't know if it was a Saturday Night Live skit or was it just legitimately a skit they put on YouTube. Was that one of Undercover Boss Kylo Ren? Have you seen that one? Yes. Yes. (laughs) That is so funny. I want more videos like that. Oh, God. Uh, If people have not seen that, go into YouTube and search for Undercover Boss Kylo Ren. It's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, I want to see kind of things like that. Like it's done in the style of The Office or Survivor or something like that. Um, yeah, I want, when C-3PO and R2-D2 are walking through the sand, I want R2-D2's like, to say like, you know, Anakin was right, this sand really is coarse and rough and irritating and it's getting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just like, what is that you say? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I do. I love the you know then not letting us in R two and then, um, but I love it when the door opens and R two just goes straight in. And I love it when you see that spider thing in the background. Like I always notice that spider, oh, yeah. spider droid thing. And what, and what are the pig creatures called? The or Gomorians. yeah, they're they're kind of cool. Um, I yeah, molestery Bib Fortuna, just you know getting. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs>
0: Like, that that thing around his neck is probably his penis, and that's just, you know, exposed all the yeah. time for... Uh, and, like, you talk about the visual effects. The, the makeup looks fantastic, like the the props and the practical effects. Like, this... The first thing Mallory says is, like, oh, my God, he's a creepy-looking thing. And it just... It looks really, really good. Uh, it really, really holds up well. Um... I, for some reason, again, similar to A New Hope, I, I don't have subtitles on this version that I'm watching. I don't know why. But, like, it's kind of when Jabba's doing the whole, you know, explanation about his favourite wall thing. Like, again, I was sort of saying to a like, hey, I actually know what he's saying because I speak hut. Yeah, um, <laughs> huttees. <laughs> uh But, you know, obviously he's seen it so much. But, um, yeah, I, when he walks, when 3PO goes into, like, Jabba's den, is this where we see the subulba type creature or is that later when Leia comes in at night, because you actually see whatever the alien breed that Sebulba is, they've added it in in the special edition. I don't know if you've ever noticed that.
1: Oh, yeah, no, yeah. That's uh, when Leia's coming in. Yeah. yeah, you see a Doug crawling across the floor. That's right. Which I think is really cool. Like, I like the way they do that.
0: Mm-hmm. probably one of these things people complain about. Oh, you're reminding us of the Phantom Menace. Um, and a lot of people complain about this whole elaborate grand scheme of Luke's. That it is kind of dumb. He sends in one person, he sends in another, sends in another, but... I do also kind of think it's kind of a, a cool grand plan that you know ultimately it leads to him doing what he ends up doing. So I can see both sides of it. I just I just like this movie, so I just kind of probably but, am going to defend it more.
1: I mean, it's I think it's a valid defense. in t- the same reason that you know they changed this out from Revenge of the Jedi to Return of the Jedi. I mean, J- Jedi's are the keepers of peace. Like how many of these movies do we hear them say? We're keepers of the peace. We're peacekeepers. He's going to exhaust all options before he declares war. Yeah. So he would send in, you know, uh, you know, Lando and Lando first. Uh, okay, I want you to case the joint, Lando. I want you to, you know, find out what's going on, on the inside. You know, uh, talk to a couple of the girls, work your magic, and then it's like, okay, so we want to send in uh, Chewie there as a backup. And then, you know, Leia, you're going to break Han out. And if you break him out, everybody just go go free. You just, just run out of there. Now, if you can't break him out, you know, I'm going to come in there. I'm going to try to bargain with him. He's actually exhausted. All, even before he sends Chewie in, he sends the droid... You know, just with the offer, the friendly offer, I'm even going to offer you this gift. So he's he's just playing peacekeeper here. That's what a Jedi is.
0: And it's it's not like you know the cops if they're casing a joint, they don't just straight away send in SWAT. Like they try and exhaust you know yeah. a few different options and things like that. So I think kind of that's important to to do all that. But um, yeah, I I love salacious crumb. I just love that. <laughs> Like silly yeah. thing. <laughs> just... that's very <laughs> Fran dresser. Yeah, well, it's it's the Fran dresser of Star Wars. <laughs> installation. delicious, <laughs> 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 Mr. Hot. How are you? <laughs> um, but I uh, yeah, I agree with you. I love the look of Jabba. I'm I'm very surprised they've never they didn't digitally alter. Jabba kind of like what they did with Yoda like I mean that probably would have pissed a few people off but just the look and the, the you know obviously Mallory straight away is like oh he's so gross and everything you know he's this big fat alien thing and just also um, I thought what would be good is you know because Jabba is quite a large hut creature thing and you know it's, it's not appropriate for us to to use fat jokes on things because it's you know it's discriminatory but we can use it on Jabba the Hut. so I've just got a few here that we can add in this episode um <laughs> Jabba the Hutt is so fat, I took a picture of him last Christmas and it's still printing. That, that's not that's not a bad one. Um, Jabba is so fat that he wore a yellow raincoat and people yelled, Taxi! Um, Jabba is so fat that when he stepped on the scale, it said to be continued. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, Jabba took his pants to the dry cleaners and the lady said, We don't do curtains. Um <laughs> And uh, how do you get Jabba the Hutt to lose weight? You pay the ice cream man to keep driving. So um, just just a couple. We might have some more later on. (laughs) This is the only time it's appropriate to make fat jokes. I've been sitting on fat jokes for, you know, 800 episodes of the Oz Network. And here we go. We can finally use them.
1: (laughs) Just like the only time it's appropriate for somebody to molest is when it's a Twi'lek and a droid. Yes.
0: That, that is it, people. That is it. All right? That is that is how it works. Um, Jabba's so fat that uh, he put on lipstick with a paint roller. Um, Jabba has so many double chins. Uh, he looks like he's staring at you out of over a pile of pancakes. Um, uh, Jabba got arrested at the airport for 10 pounds of crack.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah this is going to make me sound like the worst father on the planet, but um, one, of the, one of the best things about having babies is that you can kind of make fun of them or you know, tease them, and they, they don't understand what you're saying, and they'll just sort of look at you and smile, and it's kind of fun. Uh, it's of like a mean person or anything, but let's be honest. Babies, they before they start moving, they have some pretty chunky proportions. So <laughs> our twins, uh, Remy and Casey, you know, Remy was born much bigger. He kind of hogged all the food in the womb. Casey was born very, very tiny and skeletal-like, uh, so Remy's always sort of had, like, these rolls, and there's times where I'm changing his diapers, I'm like, Remy, this isn't natural, it's like, you got, you, a person shouldn't have rolls on their knees, and every time I'm feeding him milk, it's like, Remy, I gotta wipe the chin, uh, the milk out of your chin fat, you know, so i kind of like, <laughs> make fun of his weight and everything, but no joke, there are times when they're sitting in their chairs, like their little bouncy chairs, and... Because they can't move a lot, you know, their, their, their faces just sort of scrunch up, their, their bodies and they just sort of bulge out. And I, I've done this with all three of my kids. I'll just sit there, I'll wag their arms around, I'll go, TB Jedi, TB Jedi. And Jamie's <laughs> like, don't call our sons Jabba the Hutt.
0: There was, um, I remember back when I was a kid, my dad, uh, when he played hockey, field hockey, um he as like a gift for the team at the end of the year, he we had a family friend who was an artist what and gift? a gift. Like, what what gift? Um and so we had a friend who was an artist and basically he's like, Oh, I want you to draw a caricature of, you know, our entire team and I want you to make this person look like this and like kind of playing up to jokes of each person's personality. And there was a biggish dude on the team, so he was like, I want you to draw him like jabba the heart <laughs> So <laughs> and she did that so that was very appropriate apparently um yeah uh, thanks to everyone who laughs at fat jokes because we're hilarious um but I, I love it when three yeah i like it when 3 PO's going through the dungeons and he's kind of got like that one tentacle thing like going around his neck and there's a hand kind of coming out of the thing um yeah i love the the the, the no, no, no torture robot like r- again do droids feel pain is this a thing they obviously do um, but I also, I also like the, you know, you're a facey little one, the, the <laughs> droid, like sort of talking to R2-D2. Um, yeah, the, the thing with Jedi rocks is that, look, I, this isn't that scene that I was saying I'm going to defend. Like I, I can definitely see the hate and it yeah. is kind of annoying and jarring and it, it kind of seems out of place, but I don't know. Like, it's just it's just a bit of fun. Like, it's it's kind of... It's not the greatest addition that they've ever done in the special editions, but at the same time, it kind of... It also adds something to it, weirdly. Like, I remember the original song. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen, obviously, both versions, and obviously we live in a world now where most people, maybe this is all they, all they know. They don't know anything different besides Jedi Rocks. But it kind of, like... It adds a bit of fun to it when you've got the the not whaler whatever the hell that thing is called again, <laughs> playing the thing. Um, I also like um, the they the kind of when Salacious Crumb is doing a bit of a dance to it. The big woman that's dancing, I love that big woman who's yeah. dancing in the background. Uh, I mean, the, the, the thing that's it's really fat jokes. yeah, no fat jokes. Not for her. She's a human being. Um, show her some respect. Uh, the, yeah, the, I think the the jarring thing is kind of is the close up of Angelina's lips, and then yeah, the yeah. yeah when he like screams at the camera and you see his spit, like that's kind of the okay. But other than that, like I don't know, like I've just never been that negative against Jedi Rocks. Am I? I don't know. Just am I an idiot?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, the song. I think it's just the animation because the song's not bad and. You can't say, "Oh well, you know, uh, you shouldn't have a musical sequence because what is the cantina band?" It is Mm -hmm. a a very extended music sequence for a while. You, but if people are going to say, and I I understand the defense of, or not the defense, the attack of, it really seems out of place. It, It it kills the pace of the movie. I actually get that. It doesn't feel like it belongs. It it does feel like you're suddenly dropped into a different movie, but. There are other scenes coming up, particularly when we get to the Ewok stuff, which is equally bizarre and equally out of place. Yeah. So I'm not going to fault Jedi rocks any more than I'm going to fault story time with C3PO later on. What's the, is it the Max
0: Rebo band is the name of the, the and the, what's the blue guy? Mm-hmm. Like is it Sai snooties? Is that his name? No, no, I, no, I think size, that's the lip creature. Oh, is that uh, the I was, I think Max Rebo,
1: Max Rebo is the blue elephant.
0: Oh, okay. Because I know Noah talks. I think Noah likes Max Rebo, doesn't he? Because he used to talk about him a lot. But um, the thing that I find really interesting, so this slave girl, uh, so is she Ula? Is that her name? Um, Yeah. Am I not mistaken that the scenes of her in the Rancor Pit, which uh, were added in the special edition, were actually filmed in addition to add this... Um, I think I read or I saw this somewhere that kind of because they from memory I do not remember seeing any scenes of her in the pit. Like you kind of you see her falling through the floor, and then that's it. You see no reaction. You just hear the screams. Whereas mm. they've added this into the special edition where you see her kind of reacting to the door opening. Now I believe that they did film this separately, like what fifteen years later. Which and she looks the same. Mm. Whoever this actress is who's playing all that looks exactly the same. So um, yeah, I, I I don't know if you knew that or kind of you
1: you you heard that or. Um, you know, because I kind of... Not until you mention it do I remember having an immediate cut, but I'll have to go back and rewatch those. But no, that is interesting if they did that, and and especially getting the same actress too. You know, I mean, obviously makeup can do a lot to you know <laughs> to hide age and everything. Uh, but that if they did that, here's an addition to the special editions that I don't think you know uh, hurts the movie at all.
0: Yeah, I'm actually I'm reading here, so on Wikipedia. It does say that it says um, Ulla was portrayed by Femi Taylor in Return of the Jedi. In both the original release and in the additional scenes filmed for the '97 hmm. special edition, remarkably, Taylor looked almost unchanged after 14 years, allowing for a close-up of her looking in terror at the rancor. Um, so, yeah, that's that's crazy. Like that's that's a 15-year gap basically, and, and uh, they look. She looks
1: amazing. And, and the original wedge couldn't even last to a second scene <laughs> in A New Hope, <laughs> and yet this lady can come back 15 years later and play the same role. And yet, uh, Mallory kept saying how old Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill
0: looked, uh, in between three years of filming, <laughs> basically. Um, but yeah, sort of the, the non layer. I've always loved this. She's holding a thermal detonator. <laughs> <laughs> Just
2: like,
0: yeah, Boba Fett flirting kind of looks a bit funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love Jabba's reaction. He's like, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho, 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 like my kind of, you know, sc- scum or whatever it is. But yeah it is interesting how they kind of always assume that this is a a man uh sexist 1983 world. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I I love I love Chewy. You know. <laughs> uh, just falling more and more in love with Chewy on this rewatch. Also <laughs> the uh, one thing that they um people criticize and I think it was in the Australia too is when they do that cutaway of kind of Jabba's palace and you've got that frog thing eating oh, you yeah. and then you have the burp like oh burp jokes uh-huh, how immature. Like,
1: God. That, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that if you look online, there are a ton of people who are, who consider that a stupid change in the special edition. That was in the 1983 original. birth yeah. and all. Yeah. I remember that. I remember
0: that from the original. So, like, whenever people bring that up, I'm like, well, has that always been in there? Like, that's, like, not a yeah, you know, has. thing. Um, When, yeah, when it's revealed that this is Leia and kind of, you know, unfreezes Han, Mallory I was like, oh, I was thinking that was going to be Leia. So, like, you know, it's kind of interesting to have someone there who doesn't know who it is. But, yeah, I, I was the same as you. I was like, oh, my God, who is this? Who is this person? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, though, hibernation sickness. Um, is this, like, a thing <laughs> <laughs> that is a thing in, in the thing thing? Like, I mean, it's just go to the doctor. Oh, fuck, about hibernation sickness. I've been hibernating for such a long time. Um, and also another thing, too. as us talk I- with hibernation
1: <laughs> sickness. <laughs> Like, like, is it just, blindness is the only symptom he has. Like, it, was something, it also hurts when I urinate. Hold on, TMI.
0: But if, if he had just eaten before he got frozen, right, like, would he, like, just, <laughs> like, let go? Like, would he just poo everywhere because his stomach yeah. has been frozen for that amount of time? Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. What it, I mean, is there shrinkage involved? Like,
1: um, I mean, he probably <laughs> smells. Yeah, there's this probably. That's what my point is. Like, the only thing we hear about is blindness. I'm like, there's got to be a lot of issues when you come out of hibernation if you've been in there that long.
0: We need like David Attenborough on the show when he talks about like you know hibernating bears and they don't any hibernate for like three months. He's been out of it for like a year. <laughs> like, you know... And always... frozen while doing it. Yeah, exactly. You um, talk about sort of like stuff that if this was in the prequels, people would be ripping shit into it. And out of all the original trilogies, Return of the Jedi's probably got the most hammy dialogue. Um mm-hmm. but this is bit when you know it's like can't see and who are you and she takes the helmet off yes. someone who loves you uh, like that is come on like that's I love this bad. movie, but if that's in the prequels, people are giving that shit.
1: Do you think that um the chemistry takes a hit here that maybe yeah, the real relationship isn't the same because I honestly feel like in all the scenes between Han and Leia, there's not the same chemistry. Like, Agreed. they actually kind of just feel awkward together. Yeah, yeah and no, it's not, don't say dialogue because it's no different than the dialogue in the other movies.
0: I, I agree, and I think it's like, um you know, the infamous, could you tell Luke, is that who you can tell? We'll get to that. Yeah, But like, even, <laughs> even later on when the whole like, you know, he's my brother, just like the way they mm-hmm. react with each other is kind of, yeah, no, that's a good oh, point. Yeah. I think they've had a bit of a, you know, a, a breakup in these three years that have <laughs> followed. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the Han scene, the way he's kind of, you know, like, don't be a fool. And it's like, I know that laugh. Like, when, you know, he's, like, hearing everything. Yeah, Jabba licking Leia. Um, you know, at least he's found himself a slave girl. I do love the like the close up though of him, and I think kind of it adds in the uh, the Blu-rays and the special editions. Kind of you see like the snot coming from his nose and just yeah. like, things like that. And like I love see three P's reaction, which is like, ooh, and he just like turns away, and then Salacious come, Salacious ah! <laughs> just getting some shit. <laughs> 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 did did you one thing actually, which I don't think I really put two and two together with when it came to Solo and when Han meets Chewie. It's kind of the parallels in this sequence when he's in the cage and all he hears is kind of like the roaring, the snorting, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden Chewie comes out from the oh, shadows. Yeah. Like, that's kind of... Yeah! I wonder if that's like a deliberate thing that they did in Solo, kind of as almost like a, you know, a throwback here to Jedi, because it's a great little moment. And I, I love just kind of how you hear the... And then you get the... And then I love, like... I absolutely love Chewie just, like, hugging Han. Like, it's not even, like, a thing. He's, like, literally, like, not letting him go. And he's, like, rubbing his head. And I just, as much as... Harrison Ford phones it in in this movie like there are a couple of moments I really appreciate like I love the bit when he's like I'm alright pal and he's like stroking yeah. Chewie uh, <laughs> and, and there's another one later on which I'll just jump ahead now because I'll probably forget to say it later on is when uh, the Ewoks accept them and he turns to one of the Ewoks he's like just what I always wanted <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the way he delivers that line um, but yeah I just love Chewie stroking hard <laughs> it's alright pal <laughs>
1: It's like, you know, if you have a kid, it's like, want to pet the puppy? And they're like, no, no, you got to be way more gentle than that. Like a kid's like, Argh. that's kind of what it's like.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I'm done. You can move. Uh, so now- <laughs> well, I intend to. Thank you very much for your permission, Mr. Waterworth. You're welcome, uh- Mr. Hilding. Nice to say formal. Uh- <laughs> uh, now we get the arrival of Luke. And uh, you want to talk about something else that maybe doesn't belong here, especially when they're going to such great lengths in this movie to show Luke as that peacekeeper. It's not Revenge of the Jedi's Return. You know, I'm going to give you all these civil chances to let Hong go before doing this. When Luke comes in here, and the first thing he does is the guards come up, and Luke force chokes both of them. (laughs) Like, that's very Sith of him. We've never seen anybody other than a Sith use a force choke. And for the, the Jedi Knight, like, where did he even learn that power? He certainly didn't learn it from Yoda or Obi-Wan. Um, it's just, it's it, it kind of just stands out as maybe not belonging there. But uh, Bib Fortuna comes up, and, and again, Luke gives him an opportunity first. It's like, I must speak with Jabba. And he's saying no. Then he does the mind trick. Now this is actually where Luke may be a better Jedi than you know Obi Wan. When Obi Wan comes up on the guards, uh, or even you know in uh, Attack of the Clones with Death Six guy, he's immediately. It's just a party trick for Obi Wan. He's like, oh, I'm going to use a Jedi mind trick on you. Luke's like, I'm going to give you one chance here, and it's like, take me to Jabba. No, and it's like, you will take me to Jabba now. And I love big Fortuna. I, I always love the different reactions people have to Jedi mind tricks. Like, like if we go back to death six guy he's like looking confused like why are these words coming out of my mouth <laughs> um then you get people like the the stormtrooper it's like these are the drones are looking for. it's very formal like he's robotic and here with big fortuna it's like he's actually been persuaded it's like you'll take me and now he's like I'll take you to Jabba now, and it's like, and you'll be rewarded, and I'll be rewarded. And he gets excited about it, and then he's going up to Jabba, like Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. (laughs) Jabba should be like, "You said he's no Jedi." (laughs) All of a sudden, I'm a believer. (laughs) Is he he to reward a droid?
0: Um, Like, oh, like, and you will be rewarded. What? Reward, reward. <laughs> you get five minutes alone. You get seven minutes of heaven with R two D two.
1: Seven minutes of heaven with R two.
2: <laughs>
1: that is not going to be one of our t shirts, by the way. But how great oh. cool would it be if there was a t shirt, Big Fortuna stroking R two, so says seven minutes of heaven with R two. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody wants one of those, we will make it. We will sell it to you. We're shameless. We, we will. Uh, yeah. But Jabba is, of course, like, you know, uh he's using an old Jedi mind trick. There's no Huttese for Jedi mind trick <laughs> Jedi mind trick. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's no Jedi. There is no translation. Um He, he knocks the Fortuna over as uh, he would do anybody else. And luke of course is at first you know i must be allowed to speak and then all of a sudden he's like you'll bring captain solo and the wiki to me and java's like you know uh your jedi mind tricks won't work on me only money <laughs> That's <a really> great <laughs> <line>. the volcanic <laughs>
0: planet
1: <Yeah. laughs> um luke says you know you can either profit by this or be destroyed it's your choice but i warn you not to underestimate my power luke is very cocky here but i actually love it like Luke's another one of those characters that changes from each movie a new hope Luke completely different from Empire Luke completely different from Jedi Luke and I don't know if I would have a favorite of all those but it is a completely different character I think this is even though I gave so much praise I mean I'll give praise to even whiny Luke in a new hope I think it takes a really talented actor to pull off whining this like that and not have it be obnoxious and annoying in Empire we give so much credit to him because he literally performs the entire movie opposite nothing this it, having him be able to do like real dramatic scenes with real people like it really shows like I, I i i hope you know this love for mark hamill that's come about recently which has a lot to do with what them holding back on force awakens i really hope people revisit like what a great actor he was in this original trilogy because there's so much praise for you know frank oz even though it's just it's, i'm not gonna say just puppeteering but it's puppeteering there's all this praise for harrison ford and alec guinness like mark hamill gives such a solid performance in this movie, and I don't think he's ever really been given credit for that. Like Just the confidence he has here, like, you know, you can either profit by this or be destroyed is great. Out uh, of three people are like, oh, Master Luke, Master Luke, and, and he- if anybody would ever bother to listen to 3PO, every once in a while wow, he has something important to say. This is what happened in Empire. Could everything have been avoided if they just listen to 3PO when he's like, the hyperdrive has been deactivated? Nobody ever listens to him when he knows what's going on. I think it's uh, just this Luke is the guy doesn't that
0: doesn't listen. We had this in Empire with, you know, Luke, it's a trap. And he just sort of looks like, huh? And then, you know, just don't go. <laughs> Simple, listen. And now, you know, Master Luke, you're standing on the just listen, Luke, listen.
1: Maybe he has hearing impairment. Like, has he ever had his hearing tested? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has a real disability here. But does the rebel alliance have
0: hearing? Head. You know, medical? Like, yeah, you know? yes, exactly. Their joy medical. The doesn't cover hearing. We can test your hearing.
1: <laughs> yeah, son, join the dark side. <laughs> we have proper medical. Have we'll hearing? get you a nice yes. Speech. We do. Well, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> Of course, Vader could say that. Maybe Luke would have turned to the dark side in a second. It's like, Luke, join me, and together we will rule the galaxy as father and son. I'm sorry, what? What? (laughs) I can't hear you. Speak. (laughs) Oh, you want me to join you as father? I
0: kept thinking you're saying, join me, and we can go to Cinnabon. Oh, sorry for killing you and the Emperor. I would have joined you. God damn it.
1: It would have been a real fun Father-Son day. Oh. (laughs) Uh, But, uh... Yeah, like, he doesn't listen to 3PO here, so he falls into the same trap that uh, Ula did earlier. And now we actually get to see the Rancor. Um, I hope everybody's laughing, even though one of the guards falls in. Like, there's no regard for their own staff here. Poor Jerry, the guard. <laughs> he just, he, two he's days away from retirement.
2: <laughs> <Yes! laughs>
1: I was two days away from that pension. <laughs>
0: I wanted to do the Austin Powers like cutaway. No one ever thinks about the wife of a Jabba the Hutt henchman.
1: <laughs> but like he dies here and we're gonna see it later on. When the rancor dies, tears are shed all around. But like Jerry the guard here <laughs> they're laughing as their idiom. Like is Jerry just that much much of a boob that like everybody like, oh finally somebody put Jerry in his place. Yep. I think that's exactly um, it. <laughs> <laughs> But the, the Rancor, now, this is uh, – I'm not going to criticize the effect. The Rancor looks fantastic, but perfect example of the special edition improving things. Yep. Yep. The original effects just in the compositing of, of seeing like these giant matte lines around Luke or around the Rancor when they're putting these two sh- shots together, which obviously they had to film with blue screen because the Rancor was a guy in a suit and at times just a hand puppet. It, it does not look good in the original. The Rancor itself, it's an incredible puppet. It, it's phenomenal, but combining the effects looks so bad. It was probably some of the worst-looking effects in the original, and little things like that, it's an improvement still, you know? It, it, it's it's something the special edition offered, that actually got improved even between the original special edition and the Blu-rays, so th- there is a reason to keep altering movies sometimes. Uh, but this Rancor fight, it's, it's so much fun. Um, I it's you know Star Wars. There are certain things you're always going to get, like you're always going to get a space battle. But then you have things that maybe you had in one Star Wars movie. And I remember when at a time this was the only like monster battle, like it, it, you it's like thrown into you know the the, the uh, lion's den. It's like a gladiator battle. Uh, so when we got that in Attack of the Clones with the other monsters, like it just reminded me of the Rancor thing. Again, it's not something you have to have in every Star Wars movie, but uh, th- this is such a cool sequence. Uh, I-, I love that Luke, he's got all these Force powers, but maybe they aren't honed enough yet because he's bashing this thing's knuckles with rocks, and that's how he fights back. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have his lightsaber here, uh, but he he could Force choke the guards. Could he have like, Force choked, I don't know, like... You're not gonna force choke something this big. Maybe force choke its eyeball or something, like just blinded for a second. Um, there's more things he could sand. have done. It's
0: coarse and rough sand. and irritating. <laughs> it would have gotten everywhere. And the rancor
1: is like, it's coarse, it's rough, it's irritating. It gets everywhere. <laughs> uh, but Luke, of course, beats the rancor here. Very clever, very James Bond-like, uh, using his environment. Uh, traps it underneath this this giant door, and you know, the thing lowers. And Luke has this big look on his face and lays a smile, like, "Oh, he won." And then all of these like, "I don't know!" I don't know! <laughs> <laughs> Running in, and the guy just grabs Luke. He starts shaking him violently, <laughs> and then the, this this handler or whatever, the shirtless guy here, oh, comes I'm in afterwards. Him. and just uncontrollably like it's such a fun moment but again if they had done this in the prequels if you had you know uh i don't know one of the the creatures on geonosis when obi-wan is stuffs the spear in that thing and then cuts it in half if you had had it go you know uh uh, one of the genosies comes up it's like <laughs> oh people would be crapping all over that but no it's in the original trilogy so it's okay but I'm okay with this I mean it, it's George Lucas actually put it in the, I think he said in the commentary that it wasn't just like oh this is a funny moment he's like I actually wanted to show that like you know even in a horrible place like this like every creature is loved by somebody so it's like it's kind of touching that he put that in there uh, they bring Luke out of there. Lucas reunited with Han here. Another moment where I think Han's or Harrison Ford is not phoning it in, where he's uh, um, talking to Lucas like, "Ah, oh, together again." And he's like, "How how are we doing?" And Luke's like, "Same as always. He's like that bad, huh?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. And yep. it's, it's just this entire scene here, first of all, I, I'll give Harrison Ford credit as well. You know, he's making himself look blind. Like, his eyes, they look like they're crossed at times. He's not making eye contact with anybody. A good blind acting here, Harrison. Uh, yeah. And then... Should he, have won he's the Blind Oscar.
0: Oscar.
1: Yeah, there we go, Blind Oscar. Mark Hamill could have won the Deaf Oscar. Uh, Harrison Ford <laughs> won the Blind. disabilities in Star Wars. The, dis- inclusion. the
0: disability Oscars coming soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kevin Hart would have won um, the Fat one. <laughs> Not that being fat's a disability, I'm allowed to say that. I'm fat, so it's okay. It's okay.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, I okay, this is going to sound really bad here, um, but let's just be equal. You know, you talk about how Mallory's commenting on how much Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill of aged. I mean, maybe it's because Carrie Fisher at still at this point was only 25, you know, but she was, like, 19 when she did the original. I've always felt like Carrie Fisher granted, there's a reason. There's some substances that contribute. Like Carrie Fisher, <laughs> life took its toll on her by the time she got to Jed I'm not criticizing. I mean, still, she still she still looks good, but like she does not look 25 years old here. So no comment from Mallory about the aging of Carrie Fisher? I don't think so, because I think
0: Carrie, I mean, she definitely has aged, but I mean, I, look, I can see, particularly Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill definitely aged a lot in those three years. But um, no, no comments. And you talk about... You know, substance is taking a toll. We saw the holiday special. She was coked out of her mind in yeah. that. But um, <laughs> you talk about looking good. I mean, God, aren't we not about to get the most famous of all? We I don't think we even just talked about it. You didn't even mention it. The famous of all Carrie Fisher scenes just oh, happened here with the, yeah. the bikini. Like, holy crap. Whoa. This is this is <laughs> puberty age for many boys and some girls at this point when they saw this movie.
1: Yeah, but, like, this has become so famous that maybe the reason I didn't bring it up is similar to when we did the Terminator movies, like... Neither of us could really look at Linda Hamilton and be like, ooh, look at that woman, because maybe because we were kids at the time. It's like, we always just sort of, that's an old lady. And because I was a kid at the time, it's not like, I, I don't, even now, I don't look at Carrie Fisher in this bikini yeah. and be like, ooh. I'm the it's same. Just, like, it's-
0: I, I, like, I agree. And I think kind of, like, as I said in the Empire, I think she looks the most beautiful in the Empire, particularly that moment where she kind of turns her head and looks at Harm when they're in still. But, yeah, like, I've never... I guess to me, and like, I'm not doing this just to bring Natalie Portman up, but to me, it was that scene Mm -hmm. in attack of the clones that I talked about. Um, and I, but I, like, I can understand the, the level that people would have had of this in 1983. It's it's not like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about it on seven now download via iTunes, uh, you know, um, uh, honey rider, like coming out of the water in the bikini, like it's sort Mm of moments like that. And I've seen this bikini in person, by the way, it was at the costume exhibition that I went to. Mm. So, um, I've seen it, it, exists um, <laughs>
1: in case people thought it didn't. <laughs> but like, okay. Carrie Fisher herself has said, you know, uh, this caused her a lot of stress having to do it. Uh, you know, she had to drop some weight to do the bikini scene and all that. Um, in all fairness, I mean, it's not a scene that is meant to, yes, it is a bikini job of the hut is sexualizing this one, but it's not presenting the movie the same way. I mean, if anything, it sort of just puts her in a position where it's like she has to choke a man out with a chain. Uh, so maybe it's because I was a kid growing up, but I never viewed this as like, oh, that's inappropriate. Like you couldn't get yeah. away with that now. Like, again, the Star Wars movies, we had Kylo Ren wrapped in a towel and they actually go out of their way to point it out if this is supposed to be like, ooh, did you see that man with his shirt off? Which, you anyway, know, Hay- Hayden
0: Christensen prequels. I mean, absolutely. I think that's a whole other kettle of fish and debate size, where it's it's all well and good to do it with the man, but when it comes to this. But, like, I think I can see the point where it's kind of, well, why all of a sudden have you just randomly got her in this? But at the same time, did we not just see Ula as a slave girl, like, five minutes ago? Like, this is obviously a Jabba thing he does. He has a female in a sexualized outfit for his benefit and ties him up with a chain. Like this is an evil gangster thing to do. So I, I think this is just what he does. And if we didn't have all and all of a sudden this is a random thing, okay, but this is what he does. This is a Jabba thing that he does.
1: It's just like I was saying with the whole Rancor sacrifice thing. Like it's like, you know, gladi- gladiator things. Uh, it's very like Roman Empire. The- they go to great lengths in these Star Wars movies to – it's science fiction but they want it to feel like something you know so mm-hmm. certain planets will look like a culture from the past and you know in this case they want tatooine at least Jabba's palace it, it, it kind of has that feel where this whole slave bikini thing it fits with the feel or whatever time period they're they're trying to emulate here yeah so I, I, I can, you know, Carrie Fisher, you know, maybe she wasn't comfortable doing it. Maybe Adam Driver wasn't comfortable getting his shirt off. You know, I mean, Hayden Christensen, we could say, you know, uh, with all honesty, Hayden Christensen, you know, he, he he bulked up a lot. So it's not like if you're going to say, oh, well, they made her lose weight. I actually heard somebody who, you know, uh, was critical of this thing. You know, they they made Carrie Fisher lose weight. I'm like, they did the same thing to other actors. I mean, Hayden Christensen had to bulk up. It's it's no different uh, there are certain people who may have, you know, body image issues, and other people may not. But it's not like George Lucas or Richard Marquand or whoever, you know, said we need her to lose weight to fit in this bikini. It's not like it was for oh, you know, you're, you're fat or whatever. It's like we need a certain look for this character and, and for this moment in the movie. And it's why did, Chris Pratt, Guardians of the Galaxy, he has one of the best stories. Now there is no need for Chris Pratt to take a shirt off in Guardians of the Galaxy. If you ever want to talk about a moment in the movie on the other side, that on on the you know um, objectifying a man side has no purpose at all. It is Chris Pratt taking his shirt off in Guardians of the Galaxy. Now it worked because Jamie loved Parks and Recreation, could not have cared less about Chris Pratt until she saw him take his shirt off in one shot of Guardians of the Galaxy. Chris Pratt himself, never an in shape guy. In fact, he when he was on Parks and Recreation, he would joke that he would actually gain weight because he thought being fatter made him funnier <laughs> and well it works he well. had to get <laughs> and when he got in shape for <laughs> when he got in shape for guardians of the galaxy he talked on many talk shows about it. he's like yeah what you saw me in there was the best shape i was ever in and 15 minutes later it was all gone it's like i worked out for months for that one shot and it's like and i didn't work hard to keep it up after that and it's it's no different. They would tell him, we need you to take your shirt off. We need you to work your butt off to get in this shape. So it happens on both sides, but I don't think it's, all. it's not with bad intentions. I feel like, I don't think it's Carrie Fisher's intent, but a lot of other people have taken this story about, you know, she needed to lose weight to do this bikini scene as if, Oh, what a terrible thing. It it, it was, it wasn't without intention. It's really no different than we have a shot. We need to present a physical form. And let's be honest. If, she's going to be choking out Jabba the Hutt you need her to look jacked and uh, it's not just that she lost weight for this she clearly got in shape too I mean there's some there's some muscle definition there so if there is a scenario where they said to Carrie Fisher we need you to drop weight we need you to fit in this bikini it it was guaranteed also along with we need you to look strong like you can pull this kill off
0: and let's let's not forget if she didn't and again, like she, people lose weight and get into shape, as you explained there, to get into movie roles. Imagine if she didn't, and you know, he's Carrie Fisher with a bit of extra weight on her in a bikini. Then people are going to be, mm-hmm. you, you know, 1983 wasn't exactly a you know, a time where you were called out for fat shaming people. You know what I mean? So, like, kind of, it would have been a lot more critical of her, and I think that would have even been worse. And a random thing, at least at the time of recording this, I feel it's kind of relevant. It's probably dated in a couple of months by the time we air this. The uh, El Camino Breaking Bad movie that's just been released on Netflix on this weekend, one of the characters in it, uh, the Todd character played by an actor called Jesse Plemons, he has stacked on weight between Breaking Bad and this, and they've mm-hmm. gone into no efforts to make him thinner. So it's kind of jarring when you've got a character in flashbacks who's, like, three times fatter than he was in the original airing of the show, making no sense because they're flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And then you've got an issue. Um, so I think kind of if all of a sudden you've got Fat layer, um, people are going be- <laughs> to be complaining, I think. So... Um, I yeah. didn't realise Jesse Plemons was in there I, He's one of my favourite
1: actors, I love him
0: He, I think kind of he got a lot of notoriety From being in Breaking Bad Because of just the type of character he plays in that And he's definitely an actor mm-hmm. who whenever I see him I'm like, hey, it's Todd um, So, I mean, it's great that he came back in El Camino Don't get me wrong, but yeah One thing I'll, I'll say though Is the behind the scenes story Actually, funny enough You're talking about Hayden Christen Having to get into shape and everything There's actually that really infamous recording I don't know if you actually ever heard it Of Hayden Christen yelling at George Lucas Going, squats, I hate them I hate all of them. (laughs) It's all George Lucas has hope. He's holding me back. He just doesn't understand.
2: (laughs) It's not fair. It's not fair. (laughs) 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 Yay
1: Yeah, uh, just going back to Jesse Plemons, I actually know him from the TV show Friday Night Lights, uh, and then also the TV show Fargo uh, and the movie Black Mass. And like um, in... Friday Night Lights, he played a football player, so he was in pretty decent shape. When he did Fargo, it wasn't the actor himself, because I can't remember, he had done something else prior to that where he was in normal shape. And he gained weight for the TV show Fargo, all for one shot. Like, again, we're talking about a brief moment in the movie where people go through these big physical transformations. And in Fargo, I think it was in the first episode, there's a scene where he's losing all of his clothes for a certain reason to burn them. And he basically strips down to just his tidy whities And he is, like, he's really flabby in there, like, distractingly flabby compared to what you're used to with him. But he actually gained, like, 50 pounds... For what ended up being one shot in 10 episodes, you know, just so they, they could have it fit their vision, this character. So it really does go both ways, uh, you know, um, that, that sometimes an actor gains weight for movies, sometimes they lose it. When we get to Force Awakens n- next week, you know, there was, there's was a lot of talk that they, they wanted Carrie Fisher to lose weight for that movie. They wanted Mark Hamill to do the same thing. These are people in a war. They have to look like they were in a war as much as some people will be critical of that. You need to look like a warrior, and they needed Princess Leia in this sequence to look like a warrior. She's about to kill a giant slug with her bare hands, you know, so yeah. it makes sense. And I think we're in agreement.
0: One thing, this yeah. is a sidetrack, we'll get it back into it, but, like, I don't know about you, but, like, men also feel same body issues by seeing things in movies. Like, you know, people talk about oh, kind of, like, the demeaning of, you know, oh, it's not good to see a woman like this because, you know, it makes women feel bad and all this sort of stuff like I personally, I've always struggled with my weight and I'm not trying to turn this into the Dr. Phil show with Ben Waterworth, but like whenever I see, you know, a, a jacked up man or whatever like this, it definitely makes me feel uncomfortable in the fact that it's like, Hey, I mm-hmm. don't look like that. You know, that's what they're trying to show that all men should look like. So that's another thing that I just want to put out there on the record that men feel body shame issues too. When we see sexy Kylo Ren in a towel, like, you know, well,
1: and again this is not start a of political debate or anything but um, I brought this up one time you know to Jamie and uh, and it was because you would have people saying oh you know, oh there's there's so many issues with you know women body images because of celebrities and stuff like that and I'm like and I said the same thing like do you really think it would be different for guys and I mentioned You know, okay, there are women out there who, even though the majority of you know models or whatever female celebrities are thinner, and that's the idea, there are women out there who are bigger who are considered sex symbols. Yeah, Uh, I I think it was one year. There's there's an actress named Christina Hendricks who's on the TV show Mad Men. Yeah, little bit of you know chub on her, and she was named the sexiest woman alive one year uh, by some magazine. But that's the and thing I said, too, can the plus-size
0: models are all women, aren't they? Where, where's yeah. a plus-size male
1: model? They, they don't exist. Well, and, and again, Not to start a political debate, but I asked Jamie the question. I'm like, can you think of one even chubby male actor who's considered a sex symbol? Yeah. And she struggled for days to come up with one. She's like, oh, I think this guy's attractive I'm like you do, but... Do other women that's what i think i implicitly mentioned at one point that she said philip seymour hoffman she thought was attractive mm-hmm. and i'm like philip, Se- right, that was a Mission Impossible episode. philip seymour hoffman but again that, that's that became the joke jamie's like oh yeah I, I, philip seymour hoffman there's a handsome guy but no other women are ever going to say that so mm-hmm. yeah you will have at least a, a few female celebrities christina Hendricks or other you know uh plus size models like you said who are still considered sex symbols, but you don't have that with guys. So again, yeah, give the benefit of yeah. the doubt. Men have feelings too. <laughs> <laughs> but I I mean, like we have
0: kind of seen this emergence of this quote, dad bod trend, but I mean, it's, it's even, yeah. it's even the way it's, it's dealt with like dad bods a bit demeaning. Is it not like, I mean, it's all right. You can call like, yeah, there's look, we're getting sidetracked anyway. Uh, hashtag men lives matter too. No, that's not right. <laughs> okay. uh, men have feelings too. That's what we should be saying. Yes. <sighs>
1: Uh, don't put me in a bikini though. Uh, <laughs> nobody's asking for it. I'll do it for the right price.
0: <laughs> okay, no. One would say oh yeah, that. for money. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll do it for 7 minutes of heaven uh, with Big Fortuna. Like I'll do it for that. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs>
1: so anyways, um uh, uh now we get to the, the sarlacc sacrifice here as well uh after uh, they're banished to the pit of carcoon and we get another one of those great you know harrison ford not falling into in lines one of the few and far between uh it's like uh where um you're gonna be sacrificed to the all-powerful sarlacc oh that doesn't sound so bad there you'll find a new definition of pain and suffering as you're slowly digested over a thousand years on well, second thought, let's pass on that. <laughs> uh, and then Luke just, again, all the confidence in the world. Like, you should have bargained me, job. This is the last mistake you'll ever make. Uh, so they get taken away, and um, we get the, the great shot of the, the Banthas walking, which I still don't know how they put that together. Like, did they just dress up elephants and have them walk? Uh, is that something that was added, you know, with, with uh, uh, puppets or something? But it, it's a cool shot. We get to see more of Tatooine. And as they're uh, going through the desert on the way to the pit, we have that nice scene between Luke and Han where uh, uh, he's saying, I think my eyesight's getting better. Instead of a big dark blur, I just see a big light blur. And Luke says, There's of to see. I used to live here, you know. And I was like, you're going to die here. Convenient. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, just showing the, the change in Luke, which I think is sold really well here, where uh, he is saying, um, yeah, just stick to close to Chewie and Lando. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've taken care of everything. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> he just has no confidence at all. Uh, on the the Java sail barge, we see what the the place they had for R two was. Yeah. Uh, he's a waitress. <laughs> Freshen up your drink, sir. <laughs> it's just so demeaning, but R two is taking it so seriously too. R two. Like, what are you doing here? It's like, well, I can see you're serving drinks. <laughs> but R two is. Come on, I got I got a, a guy over there who's waiting on his drink for the last five minutes. It's like, I'm going to lose my tip over this. <laughs> He's really taking his job seriously, too. Um, the three people, of course, always out of the loop. And it's like, you better get out of here. They're going to kill Master Luke, and if you're not careful, us too. Uh, they eventually come to a stop. They make Luke walk out on the plank and 3 people is now the herald of Jabba. Uh, They're talking to the the Sarlacc and uh, sacrificing Luke. And, uh, of course, he says, uh, last time, free us or die. And Jabba, salacious crumb. I love him. (laughs) Jabba just like, put him in. uh, Now, some of my favorite music... Mm. Uh, in all of these is this you know the the sarlacc sacrifice scene here and i love the way that they cut back and forth now george lucas is actually critical of this scene himself he said he wanted this to be like what they did in raiders the airplane fight where there's a thousand things going on and you're just cutting back and forth between all those things And it just, it works so perfectly. He wanted to do that here in Jedi, where you have Luke in a fight, and then you have Lando slipping in, and then you have three people getting his eye picked out, and you have Leia, you know, strangling Jabba. And he's very critical. He's like, I don't think we pulled it off. In comparison to Raiders, maybe not well enough, but, like, this sequence is so great. It's probably the best action sequence in the movie. Uh, And, I mean, granted, later on we're just going to have teddy bears (laughs) pounding people with sticks. But where they have the, the music where it's, duh. Yep. Duh. So good. Duh. And each time, every time the new note comes up, it changes the camera. It's so good. Uh, and R2 is getting into position. You see he's kind of doing something. Luke gives a salute. They push him in. He does this little flip as he hangs on the plank, throws himself up in the air, really get to see him as like a full-fledged Jedi in, in terms of the original trilogy, the first time we ever really get to see a full-fledged Jedi. Uh, L- Archer shoots the lightsaber in the air we get a big fight uh, a lot of cool stuff happens here uh, Boba Fett And another thing that I'm pretty sure honest. I think Honest Trailer made fun of uh, this year or Boba Fett you know, getting kind of a chump ending throwing uh, out like Wily <laughs> he, Coyote
0: I believe is what they say
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely Coyote, yeah. Uh, which I, again I don't know if Bob, Boba Fett was a big thing or if he became a big thing you know, later on after the trilogy was over because even George Lucas said, you know, if I had known you know, how popular he would end up being, I never would have had it killed him off so quickly in Jedi. Uh, but he gets the cool moment with the jetpack, which you get to see the jetpack for the first time, at least in this trilogy here. And he lands, he pulls a gun on Luke, and Luke cuts the gun off. And then Boba Fett just sort of stumbles around, like, it's not just Wile E. Coyote. It's just overall, like, cartoon- cartoonishness here where he's like suddenly trips and he's like, oh, 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 he's just falling all over. like It doesn't really play well when you've seen where Boba Fett's come from. Uh, Luke, he has that great jump from you know the, the one uh, ship to Jabba's sail barge, and he's climbing up, and that guy opens the door, and Luke just opens it and dumps him over the edge. Uh, Lando's falling in as the sail barge is slowly sinking into the pit. Uh, Leia's knocking all the lights out and closing the shutters. Everybody's in panic. In there, you got more of oh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and, R- and three people oh, <laughs> <laughs> and R two <"Whoa>, <laughs> and Leia, and lots of great sound effects. Wow, it's, <laughs> so it's like really I'm watching on. the movie. <laughs> it's like you're there, oh! <laughs> Lando. Later on, when the tentacle comes up, Wow. <laughs> This is, this is like for
0: your this eyes is... only with the horsies all over again. Like it's.
1: <laughs> we just sound effect the rest of the movie. <laughs> and then the, the starlight. <laughs>
0: You've <being so laughs> Creepio telling the story. Like Darth Vader. <laughs> story time with Colin. <laughs> 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 I really am jealous of your children. They get some great stories, don't they?
2: Yippee! <laughs>
0: Yippee! <laughs> the sand was coarse and rough and it got
2: everywhere!
1: Uh, but anyways, all this action's going on. Leia chokes out Jabba, which is a great moment. Uh, I love the way his tongue wags as she's choking him. 3 um, so okay his eye-picked down is
2: amazing!
1: <laughs> He's not burnt! Calm down. I can't even believe we haven't brought this up yet, but... With the exception, oh no, no, including Revenge of the Sith, C-3PO always loses something in a Star Wars movie. So if we go in order from Episode 1 to 6, Episode 1, 3PO is completely incomplete. He doesn't even have coverings, so there's something missing from 3PO. Episode 2, 3PO loses his head. Uh, episode 3, 3PO loses his mind. That's kind of the what they explained it in that one. It's like, well he's intact. You know, he's not in action or anything, but he gets his memory wiped. In episode 4, 3PO loses his arm again. In episode 5, he loses all four of his limbs. In episode 6, he loses his eye. In episode 7, I don't remember if there is anything like that. I mean, he's got the red arm, he loses but why did he drop friends. the ball? <laughs> <Yes!
0: laughs> exactly! and then in Last Jedi he loses his dignity (laughs) loses it in episode 9 he's lost his eye (laughs)
1: colour yeah there we go maybe there is continuity Uh, but yeah he's just losing his eye I don't know why it's so funny especially he's like crying for R2 R2 my eye
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mallory straight away is like why is um, Salacious Crub just eating his eye and I'm like I don't know
1: because he is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what would you do with it? Um, obviously, one of the best moments here added in the special edition, which we brought up last week, is the uh, the when Lando's falling in and Han grabs the gun. And in the original 1983 version, uh, when Han raises the gun, Lando says, No, wait, I thought you were blind. And Han says, It's all right, trust me. And then a great addition they had in the special Dition here is where he raises the gun and he goes. I thought you were blind, and Han it's all right I can see a lot better." Uh, I love that line so much. More. So uh, again, on board with change. Oh, just a little more. Lando's very panicky and missing scene The whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> 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 Wow, Joey Lewis, like, whoa! whoa.
0: You've really practiced <laughs> <Joey your hallucinations. laughs>
1: Right. There's not a lot of dialogue. We got to make up for people. Is this a? Great, uh, I think that same commentary goes where you know, it's like, oh, you know, people are so disappointed. It's like, but I didn't realize he was going to be as popular of a character. Otherwise, I wouldn't have killed him off. And then he says, "It's all right though. Most people don't believe he died, anyways. Uh, they actually do bring him back to life in the novels, where they say that he like fought his way out of the Sarlacc belly, um, and." One of the best endings they had in the novels. I'll just briefly explain here. Uh, before Disney took over, the one last series of novels they did was um, uh, one of the stories involved Han and Boba Fett encountering each other again, where they actually had Boba Fett going to Kamino because he was so old and he was he wanted to basically. Clone himself again, so he didn't have to die. And then he realized the facility shut down. And he it was sort of like Boba Fett confronting his death. It's like you know I could have lived forever and I couldn't. Uh, and then there's this really cool fight scene between two old men that they have, which sounds funny, but it's actually really cool. Uh, that was one of the best. I think it was called Bloodlines. That one, uh, one of the best Star Wars novels they had uh, in the, the post Return of the Jedi stuff. But it's such a good action sequence, in the of course the Luke thing where Leia's on there and. You know, they're swinging across just like in New Hope again. No kiss this time, but he is following his sister's uh, bikini clad body. Very nice uh, little in bit. This
0: scene. Like, you see a lot of her.
1: Oh, yeah. And he feels a lot. Uh, <laughs> even more reason why he should have had a bigger reaction when he said it was his sister later on. Uh, but they get away just as the thing's blowing up. They pull up 3PNR2 and uh, drive off through an explosion. Um, the next scene here is a replacement for a deleted scene, but what we, we actually get is just Luke flying away again, and you just hear Han and Leia on the radio you know, saying, I'll meet you back at the fleet uh, later on. And it's like, hurry, the alliance should be assembled now. And then Han with a thanks, I owe you one, which is a running gag from Empire, really, where uh, he saved Luke's life you know, from the Wampa, and he said, that's two you owe me now. So now we have him saying, I owe you one, which I remember as a kid, I it actually bothered me. I'm like, wait, but he owed him two before. Yeah, so if Luke shouldn't you know him one as an adult i'm just like oh he was just a clever line but as a kid it actually bothered me i'm like but he's supposed to owe him two they're not even yet yeah luke you owe this man <laughs> um so they end up saying we're going to dig about it. now this is a replacement for one of the most famous deleted scenes they ever had which after they fly away from jabba's palace there's a sandstorm and it's coarse and it's rough and it's irritating and it's getting <laughs> everywhere including inside the equipment which is probably why the footage uh, didn't survive but you can still see it with very like very uh on set audio with these wind machines blowing which is essentially the exact same scene from when they're in the the spaceships later on and uh they're just saying like oh I'll meet you back and they're yelling above the sand which is too coarse and rough and you know you can't <laughs> hear over it and uh, it's kind of just a cool thing where you got to see a sandstorm on Tatooine, which Lucas put in there because when they filmed A New Hope, there was actually a sandstorm that destroyed all their sets on like one of the first days of filming. And the same thing happened on The Phantom Menace years later, where I think it was like second or third day of filming. A sandstorm destroyed all the pod racers, and uh, they had to delay filming again. But... um it's kind of cool if you go back and you look at that scene, other than the fact that nothing new is added. It actually even includes the same lines about, thanks for coming after me, Luke, I owe you one. It's just they're shouting over each other. Uh, But Luke's about to go to Dagobah, so... He doesn't keep it on manual controls this time, so uh, <laughs> uh, I guess it's going to be a quicker flight because they're expecting me. This is, again, they're just leaving in suspense. I would love it if Luke showed up. Luke, we'll meet you back at the fleet. Okay, but hurry. You know, uh, they'll be assembled by now. All right, and they show up there. It's like, so Luke will be joining us shortly. Oh, no, we're not falling for this again. <laughs> last time, it took 1,150 years for him <laughs> to join us. We're just going to oh, talk Luke, but uh, uh, still... I guess wrapping up all the Tatooine stuff, as you said, it's 35, 40 minutes of the movie that have no relevance to the plot. We only had one brief scene with uh, Vader early on. Again, no knock against it. It is fun. Uh, it's just, it, it clearly shows how little story they had in this movie, but that takes up this big of a section. But the, I love all the stuff, especially the escape and the music during the, the fight on Jabba's Barge.
0: I mean, you could. Probably not. You could probably. You know, I was gonna say you could almost argue Hoth has no relevance to the plot of Empire, but it does because they're searching for the rebel base. But no, I'm trying to make a point that did, didn't work. The point is, I, I like all the Jabba stuff. <laughs> I like I know it's kind of pointless to the overall plot, but still, I like it. Um, people argue the Phantom Menace is completely, in, you know, doesn't matter to the whole thing. That what's that? Uh, the Machete Order. They say and that you don't even need to watch Phantom Menace. So. Anyway, um I love it when Luke arrives and you've got the the sleeping, you know, everyone's sleeping. I love Salacious Crumb watching Jabba's tail. It's just always, yeah. <laughs> like, he's just like, so ah! he <laughs> like. <laughs> but then I also love when Luke arrives and Fortune just comes up and he's like pointing at Luke as he just say like, "What are you doing here? Like, where, Why was he not awake?" <laughs> Why was he not awake before the night when when Leia was sneaking in as a bounty hunter? Is he, has he been put on watch now? Like Jabba's like, oh, you weren't on your watch post last night, dumb bum. Um, you were too I am- r- <laughs> try to sneak in with R2. Um, I've always, the thing I always like about Return of the Jedi too is I just love Luke in Return of the Jedi. Like I love the way he kind of now, he's just basically badass Jedi Knight. Um. Just the way he kind of looks with the black robe, and is this the only time we've got a Jedi in a black robe? Like they're always usually in that sort of beigey brown robe, aren't they?
1: Uh, well, I think Anakin had a black one in uh, uh, both Attack of the Clones. I don't know if we ever saw him in the robe in Attack of the Clones, but he had a black outfit. But definitely, I think in Revenge of the Sith, he was black. Although he was a Sith in that too.
0: Yeah, he had Revenge as well. Funnily enough, um, true story. Uh... <laughs> um but yeah i I love the whole sequence with luke and just you know talking up and then you're right with like the rancor like i remember how bad that looked in the original trilogy and um i remember seeing like the special edition thinking like oh it's really not that um different but yeah they've definitely improved it more so for the blu-ray because kind of this time around it's not that noticeable i think um but God, that was one of the worst, like, thing, dated scenes in all of Star Wars movies. Was mm-hmm. this original scene of that? It looked absolutely terrible. Um, I love, I love it when the Rancor dies, and you've got yeah. I love shirtless fat guy. Who's uh, like,
2: <laughs>
0: I want again. I want the spin off. I want to see the funeral for the Rancor. Like he was such yeah. a lovely thing. He would always eat things so probably <laughs> And you just flush him down the toilet. Yes. Um, <laughs> I used to have a friend who used to have a quite a large scale model of a rancor on their desk. It was pretty cool. Mm. Um, but I mean, a lot of criticisms I see of this sequence is why doesn't he use the force to open the door? Why does he use not use the force with a rock? To, I mean, again, like as much as he is now this Jedi Knight, like he's only had a year, I guess, to self teach himself things. So he's, you know, his proper training with Yoda kind of was over and done with quickly. So keeping calm under pressure and all these sort of things is something that he hasn't quite mastered yet. He's still kind of naive and sort of learning, you know, so he hasn't had 10 years at Anakin had and Anakin was still just jumping <laughs> out of cars and complaining about sand and shit, you know, and he had 10 freaking years. So, you know, um, uh, yeah, I Yeah, I, I agree with you. I love the whole, the sequence there with Han and Luke when it's kind of like, you know, oh, you know, same old, oh, that bad, huh? Um, and I also, yeah, love Han's just reaction. Of like, that doesn't sound so bad. In other words, let, let's just pass on that. Um, and Salacious Crumb's reaction.
2: Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered about the whole, like, you know, you will die slowly for 10,000 years. Like... I mean, does Jabba know humans would die Slowed probably bins. in a couple of days with, like, no water and food? <laughs> like, I mean, does the Sarlacc pit, like, actually increase well, life?
1: <laughs> well, come on. I mean, we already know it took them 1,150 years to reach Bespin, so I'm sure, sure that they got another 1,000 in them. That's true.
0: All the the Wampa things or whatever, not wampers, the, the cow things, that sequence that you're saying that looks really cool. That's another one that people complain mm. about. Like, "Oh, why do they have to add these, mm. you know, things in?" Like it just it adds a living environment, I think, again yeah. to this planet. Like, you know, I'm sure if George Lucas had the capabilities and the technology at his hands, this would have been done in 1983. You know what I mean? It's kind of mm-hmm. what do you want? Just empty nothing? just uh, i guess it's a desert but i mean <laughs> in star wars there's how many desert planets are there and there's always life in them isn't there mm-hmm. so i don't know um it's, yeah, it's,
1: it's such a small thing to criticize
0: yeah i do like the conversation between it so where it's like you know um there's nothing to see i grew up here and so like, well you are going to die here how but like i just want there's nothing to see here just sand it's everywhere mm-hmm. And it's also coarse and rough and irritating. And I want, I want them to like intersect yeah. between like Vader and his um, Kinder Surprise egg, like, "Luke, are you on Tatooine? Avoid the sand. It's coarse and yeah. rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere." No, um, yeah, I love waitress R two. He's got a bit of cleavage out to get a few extra tips, so yeah. bit... <laughs> it works for him. He's he he gonna be, he's
1: gonna be lap dancing on Bib Fortuna. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, I've always loved the Sarlacc Pit, and again, another criticism people have—they don't like the Venus flytrap tentacles that are added to it. Like, let's be hey. honest, the Sarlacc Pit just looked like an evil vagina beforehand. At least this kind of looks like an actual creature now.
1: Exactly. It really, and that—that's something I coming from somebody who watches a kid. I never understood what's wrong. I'm like, is the thing further down in there? Is this just a few of his tentacles coming out? like... You have a mouth now. It, it makes sense. The original actually didn't make sense prior to this.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like you know, if this is a creature that that's its sole purpose is that people feed it. Like people could just not give a shit about this <laughs> Sarlacc. Like it's just you yeah, whatever. I've seen. Um, I have the back in Australia. I have the visual encyclopedias, kind of like of all the movies, and um, they do have a diagram showing the Sarlacc kind of underneath in the ground and all. It's you know what it looks like and everything. It's pretty cool. Um yeah and I mean I I lo- I love the music I love the boom boom Boom. and then it kind of goes quiet and then the mm-hmm. like when he jumps up and flips and does all that sort of stuff it's really cool I've always loved this sequence with the music and everything Um the Boba Fett thing again doesn't bother me as we kind of talked about last episode it's kind of eh, like cool Boba Fett he's cool but you know he's not that great but I do my favourite bit I think is when the way he dies the way Han Solo is like Boba Fett Boba Fett where and he just yeah. like, turns and like falls down um, there's at least there's at least two Wilhelm screams here. There's at least one, but there might be another one. A couple of Wilhelms mm-hmm. going there. I also love it when Luke gets shot on the hand, and it's kind of like yeah. to remind you that his his hand is not a hand. Um, mm-hmm. so that's kind of cool. But like with Boba Fett's like death and the fact that yeah he's not really alive. Like going into episode nine now, knowing that the Emperor is returning in some capacity. Um, I mean, do we ever have any faith that Maul survived? Like. Do we ever have any faith that anyone dies in Star Wars? Like Han Solo is going to show up in episode nine, isn't he? Like, yeah. I kid, I'm still yeah, alive. Exactly. Like, it's just kind of, I get it. Like, it's cool. Like we love Boba Fett. Let's keep him alive. And oh, you know, the Emperor, that would be a cool twist to bring him back. In You know what would have been a cool twist in episode nine? If we didn't get spoiled in the trailers that the Emperor is coming back. Like save that for an actual <laughs> reveal in the movie, people. But like, I don't know. Do, do we just ever have faith that anyone ever dies properly in Star Wars?
1: Well I mean yeah cuz I guess Qui-Gon technically comes back, so all the Jedi's technically come back. We know Darth Maul does. Nothing for Dooku, so maybe Dooku's <laughs> the only one that actually dies.
0: True, possibly. Shmee hasn't returned yet. Where's Shmee? No. I want I want Darth Shmee
1: coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Red-eyed Shmee. <laughs> you just giving me a sequence all the dead characters just come back in Terminator form with red eyes. Yeah. The, the, the First Order is building an army of, like, all the people from the Skywalker past.
0: Instead of coming back and saying, I call it, it's like, Anakin Skywalker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> come with me if you want to live.
0: Um, but yeah, I I, I really like uh, Billy Dee Williams' acting when he's kind of like, you know, like, a little higher, hand, a little higher! Yeah. Uh, just, like, really, really good. And, yeah, salacious crumb eating c <laughs> eyes. Oh, it's, it's just, it's funny. I also love the fact that this barge thing that they escape on just happens to have magnetic hooks to uh, get the droids on as well. Um, but, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that whole thing about the, you know, hey, kid, now you owe me one. Like, that's always bothered me. It's always yeah. bothered me because I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> like... <laughs> Um, and I was actually just backtracking too with the droids fall in the sand I love it when R2 knocks C-3PO off and then R2 like just jumps up and he's like Woo! like he kind of it's literally a yippee then he drops down like Woo! Um. yeah I don't have a whole lot more to add I think it's just it's epic and it's it's it it's one of these sequences, too, where you really feel like it's got a satisfactory conclusion. It's kind of like, cool, they've escaped, and off they go. Like, it's just with the music. And I love that trumpet. That That's a really bad impersonation, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and the explosion, actually. Can I just say, I don't know if they've really altered this too much. Um, because, like, I'm guessing that was a genuine, a genuine Felix explosion. Um, yeah, they've added a couple of sparks in there. Because, you know, the 80s loved having sparks into explosions. But um, that explosion looks epic, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I get it, the argument, oh, this is pointless, but it's enjoyable pointless. Like, I love all these series, and it goes by quickly as well. Like, I mean, we're, what, nearly an hour into the movie now, or I guess 40 or so minutes into this movie. We've still got a fair bit to go, but I just... I just, It's enjoyable. It's, it, you realise that, wow, that's everything has been great that I've seen so far, and cool, let's get into the, the meat of the movie from now on. Well,
1: sadly it's not the meat because uh, the Ewok sequence is coming up soon, but we're Aww, still a little ways away from
0: there. Don't knock the Ewok. I
1: don't hate I don't hate the Ewoks. I actually don't mind the Ewoks. I just feel like if if people are gonna talk about something that really pulls you out of the movie, these Ewoks was, and let's go along with it. let's let's criticize the Senate scenes in the Phantom Menace or the Jar Jar scenes that go on forever. Like I don't like all these Ewok scenes have to go for five minutes each. Like if, it's just, again, I like the, I even like the Ewok spinoff movies, or at least one of them. But it's just, no, there's, there's, there, this isn't going to be the best section uh, of Return of the Jedi we're about to talk about.
0: Well, we had done so well with the original trilogy to keep them under one part, but now we're going to have to split it into two parts because we're going very long on this one. So this has been part one of our Return of the Jedi movie recap. You want to hear part two? Stop listening to this and go and download it via our social media page, our website pages, or all the podcast servers that I'm sure you already subscribe to. So I'm not going to say anything more.